transform you in the I hate a storm, hell Mary's, I make it poor. Good, I ain't lying, you little giants, we been defying. Right. What's the cost to be the boss? Breaking down the walls, we all lean once the coin guitars. Got the kind of action, never acting. No need to scramble to get traction, we make it happen. From three fours to four three. The founder of Slapdick Podcast, Slapdick uh, Whiskey, Slapdick Cigars, and the author of uh, Hate Me Now, Love Me Later. Ladies and gentlemen, Coach Jason Brown. Straight, no chaser, real raw, and uncut. Coach, every time you come on, I laugh, I learn something, and then I fear that somebody's going to be. Incredibly Here, pissed off with what you said. Come on around, you hustlers. Too, Make no mistakes about it. I've done this a long time. Try to eliminate this soft society we have. There's legend roaming Hate me now, love me later, like my book says. This was presented by Slapdick Whiskey. Hey, Hell yeah. Hey, Slapdick yeah. Whiskey's good, so are the Stogies. Some real thought, real good flavor on these things, and the burn is excellent. Beautiful burn. Okay. Yes, sir. That big whiskey, that big cigars. Be true to yourself and see if 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 some shit changes for the for the worse. Appreciate worship, all you TikTokers coming on over. Podcast, Keep coming over, man. Become a member. Just a new slap dick right here. What up? 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 YouTube, TikTok, everybody, short, fat, skinny, and tall. Fuck them all. The great John Daly is going to be joining us here any second. We're going to go live. We're live right here. Appreciate everybody from TikTok coming on over. We're going to give away 10 items of merch today. So to all my great members that have been here loyal all the time, plus a bunch of new guys coming on over from TikTok. Uh, appreciate everybody coming on in on this Thirsty Thursday. Tony, Britt, Debo, all you guys from TikTok, much love to you. Shout out to all you guys. Appreciate you guys coming on in. Uh, we're about to chop it up with the great John Daly, plus former NFL kicker Shane Graham is also joining us in the second hour. So I appreciate everybody coming on over from TikTok. Make sure you stay in here. Stay tuned. If you want, become a member. But I will be giving away 10 free items today. We will pick you guys up. And uh, plus, I'll be doing a few signed bottles of whiskey and vodka. So make sure you guys head on over. Hit the like button for me. Subscribe. Become a member. Arkansas Sauce is in the house. So I appreciate you guys coming on over. And, uh, hey, man, we're about to find out if John Daly's gone and we're going to drink together. Shit. Yes, sir. Shane Graham's going to be in the house. Man, let me give you the quote of the day and get you started until John gets in here. Um... Boom, let's get you started. This, this, this show is brought to you by betonline.ag. Head on over to betonline.ag. Use the promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Tell them the real coach JB sent you, all right? Uh, I'm going to end this thing on TikTok. You guys come on over to YouTube, man, and join in. Um, man, the great ones just joined us. We're about to be graced with his presence. I appreciate everybody coming on over to YouTube and checking this out, man. Mr. Daly, what's going on, brother? What's happening, Coach? Oh man, I'm hanging out, man. Hanging out, man. I appreciate you coming on, man. I can't, I can't explain it enough. Shit. Oh, you got it. <laughs> How's it going, man? You, you just got off the road. Yeah, I just got back from five five weeks overseas and got back to Florida. Drove up here yesterday to Arkansas to see my course and my house and everything. Get everything organized. I got you. Now let me ask you something. You fr- you originally born here in Cali, aren't you? Sacramento, Carmichael. Is that right? Yeah. 
I never knew that shit. I, fit, I, I saw that, and I was like, God damn, Northern Cali, brother. I'm a prune picker. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no shit. Hey, no doubt. So what drove you to Arkansas? Parents? Yeah, my dad was in a nuclear power plant, so we moved away when I was four, so I was kind of raised in Arkansas. Oh, okay, got you. I mean, I love Arkansas, man. I used, to, shit, I used to recruit the shit out of it when I was at Indy, not too far away. Actually, we'd drive over there all the time recruiting from – I'd go to Tulsa and then straight over. So we – We'd be there a lot. So I, I love Tulsa too, but uh, that's great, man. Your son, your son's uh, also playing there, right at the at the university. He is, yeah. He's loving it. He he's gonna be the next. Loving it. He's the next man coming up. That he's gonna be the next big thing, right? I hope so. Shit, he's already huge <laughs> on Instagram. I just saw. Yeah, he loves that stuff. He does it all the time. <laughs> hey, you're like me though. I can't give a shit about. It. I, I I'm horrible at this shit. Oh, I am too. I mean, you just. Share a tweet. Let me see. I got to call my girl. Uh, how did you, oh, you hit that. Okay, there we go. <laughs> I figured. Hey, I was uh, I was playing with Pat Perez out of Scottsdale, and he was like, man, you know, uh, John Daly follows you on Twitter. And I said, really? And I figured he, you got people that do it. I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, man. I go, that's good shit. I said, I got I to gotta fucking talk to him. That's my dude. But uh, no, I appreciate you, man. I got uh, I got all these different things that pop up here. On I got the ticker on the bottom for everybody on YouTube. I appreciate you coming on over. Make sure you head on over and follow uh, John on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, he has some great things going on. Uh, make sure you follow his site. Um, so, John, you got a you got a deal. I wanted to shout out. You got a Heart of a Lion. Is that a thing you're still doing? Yeah, me and Madrid started that uh, about two and a half years ago, and. Uh, what we do is we give money to the responders, to the vets, to SEALs, to all them, and also to the kids. Got my you, got you. My Boys and Girls Club. And we're building, and hopefully we're going to be able to give a huge check soon to St. Jude because they're passionate about their living in Memphis for 19 years. I've, I've seen some pretty sad stuff, and I want to help out them as much as I can too. Uh, no, no doubt. I, 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 it's on the bottom on the ticker for all you guys. If you guys want to help, donate to the cause. It's on the bottom. Make sure you uh, check it out. Um, everything's right there on the ticker. So uh, we appreciate you. Um, John's doing great yeah. things for everybody, man. So I appreciate it. John, you got this. Is this your tea now too? No, that's the old one. You can get rid of that one. All right. Uh, I figured got, I was, that's why I wanted to ask. So we got a new one. We got a new one coming out pretty soon. Good boy. Good okay. Boy, Good boy. Okay. Got you. And you had a, you had a wine deal too, didn't you? Yeah, the South African guys didn't uh, do what they were supposed to do. We were selling it pretty good, won a few awards, and they didn't pay the people they needed to pay. So, especially me. So, we kind of, kind of got screwed on that deal once again. Go figure. Right? Oh shit, man! I, I know how it is. This is your deal, though. Whiskey and water. Uh, the great Willie Nelson. Uh, man, I actually listened to it. I actually downloaded it. You got two albums, though. Whiskey and water, though, man. That, how'd you get into that deal? Is is, is Willie Nelson really? Uh, is he all that they say? He's the best. He's been my friend for 30 years, and I've sent him two songs. My first album was My Life. We did for um, Make-A-Wish, and um, he was on one of the songs there. All I did was send it to him, and I sent him this song. I go, you know, guys, Willie would love this song. For some reason, I don't know, I've sent him two songs, and, and he's been on both of them. I didn't ask him to. He just sent that back. He said it's his favorite country song ever, and um, thank God Sony gave us permission to use it. Thank you, Sony, so much for letting us have it and letting Willie do it with me, and you know, Jake Owens brought up a huge point. You know, it might be the last song he writes with, or, or sings with anybody. So, really, um, yeah, but he's a great man. He, he, he can't help but love Willie Nelson. 
No doubt. Is he? Uh, I, I've talked to Snoop Dogg about him growing up in this neck of the woods. Is he? Can he smoke anybody under the table like they say? Snoop Dogg smokes a lot, but I don't think he can compare to Willie in his day. <laughs> Is that like an absolute? You get you just get fucking blasted when you go over there making a song with him, or did he just send it to you? you never were in the studio. Nah, he just sent it to me. But you know, used to back in the day when he was a little young, you walk on his bus, you get high. You didn't have to smoke anything. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Secondhand smoke, you getting loaded, huh? Oh uh, shit. Now, nah, no doubt. Um, so, what's going on now? You 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 still out on tour at all, or are you just uh, hit picking and choosing? I'm on the old man's tour, the champions tour. Okay. Yeah, Pat. Pat tells me he can't wait to get on that fucking thing. Yeah, but where Pat is right now, I think he's doing okay. He's not playing the best, and I know he can play, and he's made $1.8 million the last two weeks. Okay? No doubt. No doubt. Wow. How is that thing with you? How do you feel about all this whole shit, that all this beef they got going on? I, I just wish all tours can get together and just work it out. Let every, you know, golf's a growing sport. It's a, you know, it, it's, it's somewhat, I know it's serious, but it, it needs to be a little more entertaining as well. That's what the live tour is, and. Uh, but I'm, I'm a little mad that some of the guys, you know, they're wanting their cake and eat it too. You know, they came out and said that, well, it's great. An eight tournament schedule, 14. And now they want to get back in the FedEx cup. You either play the live tour or get with Jay, Greg Norman, Jay and Keith, uh, the tour commissioner in Europe needs to sit down and have a talk. Let's get off these lawsuits and make our guys play a few more tournaments. You know, I mean, it, it to me, it's no different than us getting releases after we fulfill our commitment of tournaments that the tour wants us to play. You know, it was no different than, you know, a lot of us going over the European tour paying us to play their tournaments. So, right. you know, I'm, I'm for, I'm, I'm, I'm more strongly for the PGA tour cause I've been on it for so long, but I also think the live tour can really, uh, benefit if everybody just gets along, you know, it's, it's, it just needs to happen. Everybody needs to sit down and get it over with. If the guys need to play a few more tournaments to play the live tour, to get the releases, then do it. But, um, you know, I just, I hate these lawsuits. It's just crazy. Nah, I hear you. Do, you. do you think it'll ever happen? You think they'll come to agreement? I think they will. I mean, you know, it's tough because the, you know, the Saudis, you know, Jed's a great prince. I love him. And people bash him for all this other stuff that they've done. But, um, you know, they own a lot of companies and, <laughs> you know, they own some of the LPGA stuff and, oh, yeah. and they own, you know, I'm not going to step on his toes but this is kind of a fact that they own a lot of stuff that goes through some of our tours already so i just need jay i just wish jay and them would all get along sit down have a talk okay guys here's what we need to do and because these guys kepka and you know dj and all them we need him on the tour cameron smith's leaving the year that he's had yeah we still need him on the tour but i also get it you know the point is you know we play a lot of pro-ams and we get nothing for it and you know, the thing on the PGA Tour is they could play one or two pro-ams, and next thing you know, they miss the cut, they get nothing for it. So I agree with them on that. I yeah. mean, I know it's a sponsor thing and all that, but it benefits the PGA Tour, not the players, as much as it should. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, Pat, Pat's big deal is, like, man, independent contractors and all that, but he's like, we're the only people making the entity money, and, you know, everybody gets a check but the players, like the, the, the grounds crew, the, the, the janitors. Everybody's getting a check at the end of Sunday except for the players. If we missed a cut, we had to fork over our own money, come over there, get an Airbnb. That was Pat's thing. But I've been with Pat for the last couple of years hanging out, and he's just like, he was gung-ho, stuck on PGA. He's like, man, I'm sticking with the Tiger Woods of the world on that side of the house because of what's going on. But he goes, 
uh, when you know, I think when people throw you a money, you're 46 years old. You know, Pat Still is like, look, I'm not going to beat Rom and and all these guys anyway anymore. He goes, so you know, why not look out for me and my family's future if I can make money? And like he's like you said, 1.8 in two two years. He's actually, he's actually shot at what he had to shoot a pretty bad day uh, on Sunday and still makes that money. I mean, can't beat that. No, I mean the team thing's saving him. But Pat's an unbelievable player. He's got more talent than most guys out there, and you know, but he's, he's longevity. He's been out there a while. I get it, you know? Um, but your Cam Smith, your Dustin Johnson, your Kepkas, who I, I love to death. I'm not going to tell them what to do, but I just hope Jay and everybody can sit down and talk and get these guys to play both tours and let's have a, let's have some fun. I mean, you know, the golf's too great of a game for, for it to be going, going like this. And, um, you know, I, I've got to stick with the PJ tour. I'm too old to play the live. I guess I'm too old to play the PJ tour. Hell, I don't know, but, um, I wish I was about 10 or 15 years younger. Maybe I would have got a chance to play the live, but you know, it is what it is coach. I mean, you know, I understand the money, um, but you know, Cam Smith, he's represented by my agent, Bud Martin Washington. Cam's a great kid. I mean, the year that he's had, um, it, it's tough for me to figure out, uh, Why? they must be paying him a ton of money because yeah. he's already made, I don't know, 20, 30, $40 million this year anyway. So, uh, won won the British open. He won the players. He won the Hawaii tournament at the beginning of the year. Um, I don't know. I, I, I feel for everybody involved. I just wish they all could sit down, like I said, and talk it out. And let's let's everybody just get along and, and you know, give them the releases. Let them play. Uh, no doubt. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. What Man, so Pat's good friends with Trump. I, had, I, I saw a video the other day. He was out there in Jersey, and fucking Trump walked in with a red tie, and Pat's like, how fucking strong is that? And uh, I was dying <laughs> laughing, man. Pat sent me the video. Uh, I'm going to be going to Boston with Pat next week or a couple weeks here um, for the live deal, but um, he, 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 you got a good relationship with him, huh? Daddy Trump, I love him. He's been like a dad to me. Uh, I've. You know, it's amazing how if people, you know, it's that old saying, if you don't know somebody, then shut up about them. No and, shit. Um, he's one of the greatest human beings. The family's one of the greatest families I've ever met in my life. And, um, you know, what he's going through right now is just crazy. Uh, our country was in such great shape when he was there for four years. And now look at it. Yeah, no doubt. I, I the, Fucking Biden's son's on the Air Force One today and, and Trump shit got raided. I, I just look at it like. Holy shit, are they setting a precedent to do this shit to any and everybody here in the future? Because if you can raid a former president, which has never happened ever, they fucking better find some shit or they're gonna be, we're going to be fucked. They're not going to find anything on Daddy Trump. He's, he's one of the most honest human beings I've ever known. I mean, yeah, so he's had some bad, bad business deals, but who doesn't? You no know what? Shit. He's come out strong. He's got great golf courses where the Liv's probably going to make their home. Yep, yep. Uh, which I don't blame Daddy Trump for when they kind of kicked Doral out through Cadillac, and it wasn't Cadillac's fault. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I just I can't understand why people are going after him so hard when he did he did such an amazing job for four years for our country. Well, look at you know people depict you know perceptions reality. I'm sure me and you can probably relate better than anybody how fucking people you know think how we are when they've never met us in their life. So you know I just I find it crazy how people doing jobs that. Uh, you know, have no idea on what we do uh, as a coach or a golfer and being a professional golfer, the top 150 in the world or whatever it is, to get a card, and then they're going to sit there and talk about 
whoever. You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, John Daly shot an 80. But he's one of one. Like, people don't get that shit. Like, Coach Brown, you're an asshole. But you don't know me. You know what I mean? So they've never met Trump. They've never met any of these people. They always want to talk about it. But, you know, it is what it is. I mean. Well, for you, I mean, not getting paid what you probably deserve to get paid, taking care of those kids that are academically struggling from either Division One or even in Division Two, that, you know, and you're doing your job trying to get them academically ready. And then once they do that and they're playing great and they're healthy, they leave and you got to start over again. You've got one of the tough, toughest jobs I've ever seen in my life. And I enjoyed watching it. Let me tell you something. I couldn't keep my eyes off of it. You, you're, you're freaking awesome, dude. I love you. No, I appreciate you, man. I, 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 you know, I still haven't watched that shit. You know, Netflix didn't give me a dime wasn't really never gave me a dime Nah, it was a seeing me and me just being a coach i didn't know the deal i thought okay it's a documentary they paid the school uh 30 grand and then they didn't give me shit and then the shit ends up being one of the most watched shows on television period in in on netflix the most binge watched show of all time 300 million eyeballs hit hit that deal and and now I got people like, man, you might want to look into some 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 law because you got some issues going on. They're using your name continue. That my show's still on that damn thing. They haven't pulled it off. And you should be getting, you should have signed a waiver for one, and you should be getting royalties for the show as the school should be getting every time it's shown. You should have a Screen Actors Guild card, all that shit. Yep, never got shit. I don't know. I'm sorry, your Division Two schools don't have agents for coaches or what? Nah, JUCOs and shit like that. I had an agent when I played, and and so when I had a cup of tea in the NFL, I I had an agent and all that shit. But it it, it you know it, when you when when you get depicted a certain way, just like we're talking about Trump and and everybody else, you know people start to say, ah, oh, screw this guy, and we're not gonna, you know, administrators and different people start to get scared of of hiring you, and so because of a depiction. But it's crazy how I can do it for twenty years before. Uh, you know, three coach of the years, you know, eight bowl rings, all sending 25 kids to the NFL, but now I can't because <laughs> the show well, came you know out. What, coach? Get, get your shoulder ready. You can caddy for me because you're like Gruden. You're a hell of a motivator. Hey, I, I tell Pat the same thing. I said, man, you want a life coach? Fucking bring my ass on. I'll fucking caddy for you all day. I said, that might be the new <laughs> Netflix show. <laughs> hey, me and you on the course, I'm your caddy. Shit. <laughs> hey, I just learned though. Don't ever play with pros, man. I used to be pretty good. I told the story. I, I grew up with Tiger, not grown up, but we played each other in high school growing up. Uh, he's five minutes away from where I grew up out here in Cyprus, and we we were actually uh, trained by the same guy at Long Beach Hartwell Golf Course, uh, eighteen hole par three, and that's kind of where Tiger grew up playing. And so we played each other in high school. You played nine holes in high school and all that. And I was real good at the time. I, I, my dad had me play when I was young. I haven't played in so many years. Pat gives me a set of his new PXGs. He's like, dude, you, I had 30-year-old McGregor's, the fucking first ones, John. And uh, the one Arnold Palmer came out with or whatever, whoever it was. So I, I, oh, I ended up using McGregor's. those. The Nicholas, Jack Nicholas. Oh, was it Nicholas? Yeah, Nicholas. That's right. Nicholas. McGregor Turneys, yeah, they were awesome blades. Man, I liked them. And Pat fucking threw them across the course. He's like, get the fuck out of here with this shit, 40-year-old clubs. And so he gives me a new PXGs, and I and so we played four days in a row out there in uh at Silverleaf. And uh 
So it was it was comical, man. I said, don't ever play with pros. Him and John Rahm and all these guys, I'm trying to fucking just light a cigar up. And these fuckers are pin high every shot, up and down, in the cart, buzzing music. I'm just like, fuck. So, <laughs> hey, it'd be, it'd be honored. It's caddy. Uh, man, What? so what's going on with uh, everything else? You got, you got all these other things going on now with the uh, Hooters and everything else? You got, is that still a deal? Oh, yeah. Me and my son, we're doing a, actually doing a Hooters commercial tomorrow in the Fort Smith store, uh, 9 to 2 tomorrow in, um, yeah, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Okay. So we're going to have fun tomorrow. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. Man, let me, I got a fan favorite question. What do you think's harder, making it as a pro golfer or a pro football player, in your opinion? Well, I think you get more opportunities as a golfer, so I'd have to go. Uh, it's harder to get on the tour, but I got to go with football's harder because you're you're – your um, job, if you make it, is not as long as golf. Golf, you can play forever, even even as a pro. But football's got to be tougher. What What's your take on this new generation of shit, man? I mean, like, not only in college, right there in Arkansas, my, one of the best players for you guys the last few years was my running back on the show, Raheem Boyd. But yeah, what what with the new? I don't know what it is, man. I I, I think it's the, the the parenting, obviously, but um. These kids transferring every day. They they're getting all this big money now with these uh, deals with NIL, and and I think it's trickling upward for the first time. It's getting into the NFL level, and NFL people are now players are trying to demand trades and shit. Do you just think it's a generational deal, or is it just because they're smarter because of social media and the and the and the awareness of okay, I can find out what I'm really worth now. But it's but it's also lost the hierarchy. I don't believe these kids respect the chain of command anymore because now they're making as much as the damn coach or more. And now they're wanting to transfer every five minutes. And so I don't know what you think. Are the kids just different or is it the parents? Cause I think kids are the same. I think the parents have become fucked up. Well, I think the NCAA needs to go away. I've always said that. I think they're socialist, a uh, bunch of guys that just steal money from every university. Every time I try to get loud mouth in, you got to pay 15% NCAA 15% here. I'm going like, you know, I'm tired of it. And, and I look at these kids, I take prime example, I say this to everybody, Dak Prescott, okay? But there's been millions of them. Jersey's been sold in Mississippi State. The university's making money off of that. Where's Dak's? No doubt. So Dak would have never made it. But what I think the NIL should do in football and all sports, if a quarterback comes in and gets 2 or $3 million, I think the university should get that money and, and, and divide it with all the players on the team. You're, you're like me. I said, screw the NIL shit because the backup's not going to sell a jersey anyway. The backup corner or the backup left tackle. The scholarship dollars should be given amongst the crew of, of 85 kids. Uh, whether you're a four-star or five-star kid, you get a little more money. If you're a three-star, you get a little less. But that's the Division two model, and that's how they've done it for years. And... At least everybody gets a piece of the pie. Right now, you got all these big-time schools. These kids are in the locker room listening to Nick Saban speak, and they're looking at him side-eyed because, you know, their quarterback's making $2 million a year, um, but the backup ain't making shit, and he's like, oh, I got to get up out of here. So so you're not even really listening to the, the head coach anymore like they once did. So I just think they lost. I just think it's all screwed up. That's my whole point. Every player that makes that roster, 85 kids, to get all the NIL money, put it together. The university gets it, and they then they give it to every kid equally. That's on that team. That way, the team stays as a team, and you're not, you know, the the 
the offensive tackle says, well, I'm not, I'm not going to block for him. He's making $3 million and I ain't getting shit. But if they're all getting the same amount of money, you know, of, of all the players, then they're all going to work together better. Yeah. I, what's your deal with, uh, what's your take on this Deshaun Watson deal? You got to, you got to, th- what do you think? They're going to suspend him for the whole year? That's what I've been saying the whole time. I don't think he plays it down this year. I don't know. That boy's got had more women than me and Tiger both put together. Jiminy Christmas. Huh? <laughs> Fucking Will Chamberlain. <laughs> hey, and, and, and I, th- listen, John, you haven't heard this, but on my show, I broke a little news one day. I got, I got a good inside source that actually uh, coached them, got a guy played with them. They said the fucker has a micro penis. So having a micro penis, apparently he had to get some girl to accept him. So he just went through fucking hundreds of them until say one of them said it's okay. Cause I, <laughs> I, 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 John, they've been, they've been showing this picture to me. Look at this. It looks like he's got a pussy. So I, 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 I don't know what to say. I'm like, God damn, I don't know what the hell's going on, but, uh, that could be a thing called small dick syndrome. I've been telling a lot of people about, I'm not going to get into that, but the, you know, I've talked to a lot of famous athletes where if they picked up a chick, they made them sign a waiver. These athletes need to make them sign waivers. And they got to sign it sober, not drunk, because if they sign it drunk, well, he took advantage of me. He made me sign it. You sign the waiver, and then you go have some fun. And this is, look, Deshaun, he's, he has, I don't, I can't imagine that guy. He, he looks like he's a pretty cool guy. I can't imagine raping or doing anything to a woman. Nah. It's just women wanting money, you know, and it happens all the time to all these athletes. And I kind of feel for the guy a little bit. Now, yeah, if he did I, rape it and they find out, I'll, I'll take that back, but. You know, I heard 24 of the 28 are already gone, yep. uh, whether they're paid off or whatever by Haslam. Um, yeah. But anyway, I, I just think a lot of them get taken advantage of, well, I can get money from this guy. You know what I mean? So, nah. and, and and I'm sure it has happened where there has been some rape involved. But you look at Deshaun Watson, the way he speaks and the way he is with his team and everything. You just, I don't see that that in him to do that. Yeah, I don't think he raped him because I think that is the sole reason there is no criminal action going on because I don't think a girl ever used that word R, the R word. So once that word never was used, I think that put him in this, let's take advantage of him and get the money deal however we can. Now, was he a weirdo, creepy fuck? Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. Uh, I, I define it one way, John. Can you babysit my fucking daughter? And if you... And, I, I would say fuck no to him, yeah. but that's already the narrative out there, right? We already looking at it like, well, this guy, uh, we don't know the truth or not, but you know, it's really hard for the NFL, I think, to try to suspend him for two years or whatever if there's no criminal charges. And I just don't know if you can really, you know, it's kind of a deal. And, and now the Goodell comes out and says he uses the word predatory, and I'm like, holy shit, that's a big word for you to use without really having any rape charges. Right, right. But I mean, if if the justice system decides he's not guilty, then they need to leave him alone. The NFL needs to let him play. But you know, it's the same thing. When I father, I got you know, basically, I got a stepdaughter and two daughters. If if, if a boy comes over and takes him out, I put a sandbox in front of the door. If his penis sticks to it, I'm gonna kill the son of a bitch when he brings her home. So that's a good trick, by the way. Wait up! Say that shit again. So you got a sandbox. 
Yeah, you take you take my daughter out, and you when you bring her home, I'm gonna stick your penis in that sandbox. If it sticks to it, you're a dead son of a bitch. No fucking doubt. No <laughs> doubt. That is a hell of a thing. I thought you meant if it if it hangs that low. So uh, that's a good one. Shit, that motherfucker's wet, huh? <laughs> shit. Hey, that's some old school shit. That sounds like my pops, man. Shit, that's a great fucking saying. No doubt, man. I used to carry the shotgun around. My daughter's 23 now, and I'm like, fuck, man. Yeah. I don't know if uh, I could do it again nowadays with these fucking disrespectful kids. I mean, they're throwing erasers at teachers and fucking just telling their mom what they won't and will eat. I'm just like, what? I wish you would tell me some shit like that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a sad world right now. It's, it's a tough world to, to. I'm glad all my kids are growing up because I don't want to. I really don't want to start over. Uh, not in this day and age. I feel bad for, you know. You know, Sean is 30, Sierra's 27, little John's 19, and my stepdaughter, Chris is 18. And they're going to live in a world, if if this world keeps going the way it is, it's going to be sad. Oh, no it's, it's a tough world to live in right now. No doubt, man. No doubt. So, listen, you you uh, you uh won two majors, uh what, five PJ wins and what, nine, you got 20 wins total or, or something like that as far as the whole uh, tour, professional tour. You got 20 wins, I think. Um all over the world. I don't know. I don't keep up with. You don't even care. Huh? So how how, how was it, way. man? Coach, if I had, if you had that record, you never would be coaching. <laughs> hey, you know what though? I equate it to baseball, man. You know these these hitters come up and these greatest hitters of all time, they bat whatever three twenty, three ten. But if you really look at it, it's really zero point thirty one percent because they take so many bats and they gave they give these high rankings. And I'm just like, dog, baseball players really have a shitty hit to strikeout ratio. But but three hundred is actually considered good. And uh, it's funny how perceptions reality, man. How, how was winning that first tour, man? You come out as a youngster. I remember watching it, man, as a youngster on TV. And uh, I was our fan right away. I was like, this guy's different. He wants to, he's the fucking, uh, you know, the Adam Sandler of professional golf. When that movie came out, you were the guy that brought entertainment. But what, what, uh, what was that like as a youngster winning that first thing and everyone's finding out, okay, this guy's just not a long ball guy. He, he can play. It was, i tell you what, it was like a blur. You know, I didn't get a practice round, so I went right in there, got in there at 2 a.m. because I didn't know if I was going to get in the tournament. And next thing I know, I'm in the tournament and win the damn thing, and I, I didn't know what to expect. And the funny thing is I found out it's a 10-year exemption on the tour and then five years in the majors, lifetime in the PGA. Wow. And I go, if I'd have known that, teeing up Sunday, I would have shot 95. <laughs> Thank God I didn't know that. <laughs> hey, that's funny how that shit works. That's serious shit, man. I used to the same shit's happened to me, man. I'm like, shit, that's that is a psychological killer right there. So I and then you went on in '95 and win it again, or you won the open. That was the that's the one. I mean, if you ever dream of winning one, you know, Masters is always you always dream of winning the Masters. The PGA is awesome. Um, U.S. Open would be okay. That's not something that was on my big list. Uh, I think they set the courses up too bad, but. Um, but you win the open at St. Andrews. It's like Nicholas said, your your career is complete. What you uh you finished what? Second or third one time in the Masters? I think I finished third, third and a seventh or a fourth and a fifth. I had some opportunities, just just didn't happen. Man, I was talking to Mark Kalkovec the other day and he 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 said the same thing. He's just like, Man, you know, I've won thirteen times or whatever, but I've also finished second twenty seven times and he goes, That's a good and a bad thing, you know what I mean? He's like, Shit, we 
where they're that close. Golf is just, fuck, man. It's just playing it my whole life, too. I'm like, shit, you know, it's so close, but yet so far away. You know, you roll it right over the hill, right over the hole, and it goes 20 feet past, and you three-putt back, and it's like, fuck, I had a birdie, now I'm three over, and it's just like, it's such a finite sport, and I just don't think, I equate it to wrestling because you have no tag team partner. You have nothing uh, to bail you out but yourself, your grit, your nuts and guts. And I, I don't think people understand that football, basketball, baseball, you got other people. That's why I used to love recruiting wrestlers, man. Especially I had a lot of Arkansas wrestling kids that I would recruit um, because they're fucking tough, gritty. They're, in, they're, 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 they're used to battling on an island by themselves. And I just think you guys are the same way. I don't think golfers get enough credit, man, because uh, not only – do you, are you, are you, uh, I guess the etiquette of it, I think, I'm be honest, John, I don't know how you feel, but I think I would, if I was a commissioner of football, I would make every single kid nowadays have to go learn the game of golf, but just for the etiquette, <laughs> just for the fucking etiquette. I, I, I'm, I walk around with Pat's, uh, Pat's, uh, Caddy H, great dude, man, and been with Pat forever, and and he's like, JB, just it's 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 you get the young kids, even at the at the eight year olds, they're they're yes sir, no sir, they they understand the game, that they, they don't talk when people are playing, you know, it's just kind of it kind of trickles upwards into their life, and it's funny how how that works, and I'm just like, man, that's a real thing. I, I didn't think about it. I was like, man, it's like I used to put my linemen in ballerina uh, in, in ballet class. I wanted to get their feet fucking quick. I wanted to get their feet light and right, and. Uh, I would do the same with my kids and put them in golf. I'm like, shit, learn some damn respect. We got too many fucking disrespectful fucks out here. I, I, I think there's it's a, crazy. There is. You're right. It, it's There's a lot of disrespectful kids. That's the way that they're growing up. And I don't know if it's mainly the parents' fault. They can, you know, you spank a child at 13, they're going to sue you now. So, I mean, like. No shit. I mean, I got hit by my dad so many times that I've never spanked my kids. I just, I, I did it differently. A voice yelling is a little bit. Can scare them just as much as a ass whooping, but then you know, like when they're really into the toys, they don't pick them up after you tell them three times. Well, that's what the backyard's for. You put them in a pile and you burn the shit out of them. That'll get their attention, you know. So um, I did the opposite of what my dad did, and it worked out pretty good. Yeah, yeah. See, your dad's like my dad. I'm sure. I shit. I I didn't like this, Dad. I don't want to eat beets and, and liver. Oh, really? Cool. He got up and went to fucking bed, and I said, "Well, where's the where's the chicken?" He was like, "Chicken? You either wear that shit to bed or you eat it." There yeah, ain't no fucking I, in between. I sat at the table for many, many hours because my dad would try to make me eat stuff, and then I'd, I'd eat it and I'd throw it up. Then he'd whoop my ass, and I go, "You know what? What can, what can I do?" He just—that's just the way my dad was. That's the old school stuff. But you know, I get it. Back then, you know, still today, food ain't cheap. But you know, if, if someone doesn't like it, you can't force feed them. And I, I just think that's a wrong move. I, I'm the same way. I, I think you get a lot of these. These fuckers turn into serial killers when you force feed them. I mean, you see all these different people out here nowadays that are doing this shit. They they want to do just the opposite of what you told them to do. So I, I get that too, man. So it's just uh, interesting, man. But So what's going on next with you? What do you got going on? Anything in the works? I know you're going tomorrow to uh, Fort Smith with your son, uh, Hooters deal. Um, anything else with the gear? You, got your, still, you still got your apparel? Got loudmouth. It's going strong. We went back to internet sales, which I'm so glad Andrew did. The company's doing well. Uh, he's just building it back a little bit. Um, hopefully, we'll get some some new product coming up pretty soon, which everybody will love. And uh, you know, and then I got a special guest Saturday. He's coming out. That we're gonna have some fun. He's coming to my golf course. Uh, you'll see it soon. Uh, it's me, little John, and him. Who I love this kid to death. He's an amazing person. Um, 
and you'll see it. We're going to get a lot of hits on what we're going to do. But uh, And then off to New York for Champions Tour and then down to, uh, where do I go? Up to Michigan and then St. Louis and then South Dakota. My, my favorite, some of my favorite tournaments are coming up on our Champions Tour, so I'm kind of excited about it. How long do you see yourself playing still? Uh, I think until I'm about six feet under because what the hell else am I going to do? I'm, I, I can't move like I used to. I could do porn, but I just, you know, I don't, I don't have the – I'm not a contortionist anymore, coach. You know what I mean? Hey, short, fast, skinny, and tall, brother. I fuck them all still, so I don't care. Hey. I, 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 I'm like Jesus. I'm like Jesus. I love them all. <laughs> hey, is, is Ironhead Hayward one of your guys behind you? Uh, yeah, I got. Uh, you got. I'll have you come to my house sometime. This jersey collection is amazing. Man, that was my dude, Ironhead Hayward. His son actually yeah. is in the league now. I think. Yeah, Coach Reeves was a really good friend of mine. Uh, 94, when I was living in Colorado, I went out and kicked three field goals. And uh, our, my boy, Steve Atwater, who I love to death. Oh, man. You know, Razorback safety, one of the best in the, ever. And he was the only one that stood around when I made all three of them because I got them off practice. They all ran to the locker room and got in their cars and got the hell out. And Atwater stays. So, J.D., thank you, brother. Because Coach Reeves was He's a great coach, but he was tough on him. Oh yeah, he was at he was after he get after him, man. Atwater would put your dick in the dirt. Now he was a motherfucker. Now he'll hit you. We he wasn't. We he don't was have that tough. anymore. We don't have that anymore. So well, you can't do it anymore. They might as well put flags on these kids now. They're playing football. Oh man, I I I played quarterback, and I'm I'm embarrassed that the quarterbacks just sit there and you know they can't get hit anymore. I just don't think it's fun. I, I think when you took the chin shot and got the scar. Not only did girls like it, but you you earned the shit. You earned throwing a touchdown. That's why you grow. That's why you grow one of these to get. Don't don't you get rid of the scars. Man, I I need that shit, John. That looks good on you, brother. You wear it a lot better than me, though. <laughs> shit. Uh, well, hey, man. I can't. I don't want to take up more time. I appreciate you coming on. I got to get out there and see you, man, and and uh, hang out with you sometime. And like I said, if if you need a caddy, brother, let me know. I'll fucking come out there and give you the, the distance down and distance. Shit, just like coaching. You got it. Hey, next time we'll just do our own football show. I'll be your assistant coach and, and special teams, and, and we'll definitely make sure we have agents to sign good contracts when we get paid. <laughs> hey, that's what it's about. I got fucked. I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, much love, brother. I appreciate you. You got it. Take care. Take coach. care, John. Bye. Appreciate him coming on. Great legendary guy, man. Shit. Um, can't, can't thank him long enough. Um, Shane Graham's coming on next. Great NFL kicker. Uh, played around for about 10 years in the NFL. Uh, make sure you follow John and all his situation, all his deals he's got going on. Um, shout out to him for coming on. Um, appreciate him. Much love to him. Shane Graham will be joining us uh, next. So um, that'll be a big one. A lot of shit's going on, man. The show's growing. I appreciate everybody coming on. Everybody that came over from TikTok, stay in there. Stay tuned. You got a shot to win. You got a, ch a chance to win. Uh, um, chance to win some vodka, some merch. We're going to give away 10 things. So uh, Shane Graham will be coming on. Um, plus a few other guys that Shane's going to bring on with him. Uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we got a show lined up, man. So I'm going to get to a few things um, while we're talking. Uh, make sure you head on over to betonline.ag and use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. And uh, we got MMA this weekend. We got baseball. Dodgers won 10 in a row. Dontrell Willis, shout out to him for coming on the show yesterday. 
And uh, he, he tweeted out a thing. Uh, you know, Dodgers won 10 games in a row, so got to love that shit. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a great – John was great. John Daly's great. He's a real dude, man. And uh, when I found out he was a fan, I said, fuck, man, I got to – I got to get him on the show. So I've uh, been working on it for a minute. We got him, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go see him. And, uh, you know, great dude. He just texted me saying thanks. I, he's the greatest there is, man. Uh, that dude is legendary. Um, he don't really give a fuck about what you think or how you think it, and he's similar to me in that regard. Um, got the slapdick cigars cracking here. The, the 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 label came out fire, big label like a Camacho. If you guys are cigar advocates, this is it came out pretty good. I like it. Um, this is the cigar label. We will be out hopefully within a week or two. Uh, straight out of Cuba, man. Straight Cubans. Um. So, uh, Biffrey Sticks, what up? Appreciate all you guys. Anybody in here? Make sure you're new. Make sure you go on over and check out the membership, man. $1.99, you can come in, call in live. You have a lot of perks that are going to be coming as we grow the show. Uh, the 22nd of this month, we're starting a new show. And um, we, 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 we also uh, we're starting a new deal with a co-host and different things like that. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Um, Um, Shane Graham will be on by himself, by the way. He was just telling me about something else. Um, so just make sure you check it out. Stay tuned. The cigars will be joining us soon, so stay with it. Um, and we'll have another few announcements coming down the, down the pipe. But we got a lot to discuss today, man. A lot of things going on, man. Uh, until, uh, until he calls in, um, he, he's going to call in about 20 minutes, 2 o'clock. We'll get Shane Graham on. We're going to talk to him about everything and, and current issues with football um apparently you didn't know you know trump gets raided and all that old shit which i you know i'm not involved it's not my deal um i told you politicians priests are the most crooked motherfuckers there are but hunter biden basically got on an airplane in air force one even after he got through all his bullshit and uh i guess everything's okay you know you could raid a former president see i don't know i i i'm i'm i'm, I'm middle ground on the deal you know, I don't know anything about these motherfuckers. I don't know what's going on with any of these things. Uh, Mo Martin, what up? What up? Um, I don't know shit that's going on in this in this deal. But what I do know is we've never, ever, ever raided a former president and invaded his privacy. So it is very, very interesting to say the least. So that is just kind of my deal. Um so, you know, it's just very interesting, man. I, I don't know about it. Uh, make sure you head on over to CoachJBStore.com. Get you some merch. Uh, we got all the news fly merch out there. And uh, we got all kind of shit going on, man. So, uh, James White retired today. I don't know if you know who James White is, if you're a Patriot fan or not, or just an NFL fan. It just seems to be, that's just something I'm going to talk about uh, with Shane, but it seems to be that more and more, Kids are starting to retire at a younger age for whatever reason. We had a guy yesterday, an undrafted free agent, uh, O-lineman, first-year guy, just calls it quits. Um, we've seen more and more of, of the retirement-type deal um, continue to happen. 
And I'm curious to see uh, Shane's take on that. Um, but uh, Shane, you good to come on now, you think? Yeah, good deal. So listen, man, everybody that don't know, um, Shane Graham, uh, former NFL kicker, uh, long time, man. A lot, of, a lot of kickers go. He's a Virginia Tech Hokie, long time kicker. Uh, been coaching college football, was at the University of Florida the last few years. We're going to find out what he's been doing, and uh, I appreciate him coming on in. Shane, what up, brother? How you doing? Man, that's a man cave. <laughs> yeah, some of that stuff is uh, for, for, my, for my college. That side right there is for my university, and then uh, some of the other stuff's just all framed up from my playing career. Man, that shit's nice, man. So where are you at now, brother? You, you, so you left Florida. Yeah, yeah. So when when the head coach there was was relieved of duties, you know the the new staff comes in. It's usually a big turnover. You know how that goes. Um, you know, I actually got offers from some other big schools, and you know, it was around that time that you know I'm I'm 45 years old, uh, trying to start a family now. You know, working close to 20 hours a day. I actually embraced it. I loved it. I enjoyed every minute of it, but it just wasn't fair to who was back home. And I had to start looking at it that way versus just like what my goals were. And, you know, I'm, I'm a hard head. If, if, if I knew that I was going to beat the head coach and beat the other coach that gets in in the morning to go for their little run, if I wanted to be parked before they got there, I was going to be parked before they got there. And if I was going to, bust my, my ass to do everything I could to make sure that everybody got everything they needed when they needed it uh, with, with my name on it so I could take pride in it. It's just hard to commit to that and commit to family at the same time. And I just found it unfair. So not unfair to me, unfair to who was at home. Nice. So that's why I decided just to get into a business and, and not accept job offers and and, uh, you know, I hated it because I felt like I was a quitter. But yet, in the long run, you know, I, I let my health get away from me. I wasn't taking care of myself. And it was just like, you know what? I just got to bite the bullet on this and be okay with it. Nah, I hear you, brother. Hey, I thought the same way, man. When I left when I left Sims at Garden City and I fucking got, got out of there, I, you know, I had, I had, a, I mean, shit, I had guys, big time coaches. I wouldn't even say their name, but they're like, JB, that ain't quitting, brother. That's fucking, you had to get the fuck out of there. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they yeah. knew the situation because they knew him, but, um, you know, it is what it is. So I'm just like, you know, it, when we're this age and we put in these hours, we know what we are. You know what I mean? Only yeah. the, the public opinion can make all the assumptions they want, but you know, I, I know who you are and we've talked several times. I know what you're about. So, uh, I appreciate you, uh, coming on today, man. What, oh, what, yeah. uh, so where are you at now? Home, where's home base? Grand Rapids, Michigan. Okay. I got you. Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. That's where my, my wife's family's kind of all based here. Super tight knit family. She lost her mother to ALS for a nine year battle. She lost her father right after that. So the aunts and uncles are like parents. They're super tight-knit, cousins or brother. Uh, it's just a great support system around me. So rather than have her chasing me all over the damn country, I decided to, uh, you know, pretty much let it be where we can have a support system around us here. So where, so where are you originally from, though? Oh, I'm from, from the sticks of Virginia. That's what I thought. Okay. I, yeah, I grew up in the Blue Ridge Mountains, uh, Pulaski County, Virginia, a place that's so small, we actually say our county versus our town or city. 
You know what? There's some people in the chat that actually are from your hometown. They knew who you were when I told them everybody you were coming on earlier. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was like, shit, that's impressive. And then we got a few people that actually live in Grand Rapids, too. They're saying they're they're 616 stand-up, so they're here. So so that's good. You got some fans in here. What? Let me ask you this, man. I I, I was always a Frank Beamer guy, um, a, a fan. Oh, yeah. Is he really that legit of a special team guy? And did you learn a lot? And do you did you use or do you use kind of his philosophy and massaging it with your own while you were coaching? Oh, oh, absolutely. You know, uh, that was one of the main reasons that I committed to go to Virginia Tech. I had offers at SEC schools, Big Ten, ACC, Big East back at the time. And I really didn't want to go to like close to home. I wanted to go somewhere, you know, with a flashy name and all that. And and that's being 16, 17 years old and not really knowing. But when the head coach is the special teams coach, not only is he the special teams coach, but you hear other head coaches saying they want to learn from him. You know, you got Urban Meyer talking about he went to one of the conventions and talked to Coach Beamer to learn some of his stuff. And all these other coaches that just were just pouring out in search of like Coach Beamer's knowledge on special teams. And it was really his passion, his desire. But like the thing that really got me was they actually called my holder in, in high school. Now I had a holder that, that just held for me in high school, baseball player, uh, athletic, but just never really like was huge in playing the sport of football. So he just, he was a catcher in baseball, athletic. He was also a pitcher. He could throw the ball and he could really catch the ball. He was really good at it. Was going to go to Virginia Tech to be an engineering student, no matter where I went. So Coach Beamer calls him and says, hey, if Shane comes here, you can hold for him on the football team. And then when he called me and told me that Coach Beamer had called him and told him that, I was like, okay, this this changes a few things. Because having that continuity for a kicker especially is a big deal. And ended up working out well. He was a Ended up being an engineer for Hendrick Motorsport after playing four years of college football. Ended up being an engineer for Hendrick Motorsport. Is currently an engineer for uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, I believe, Denny Hamlin's team. And also was became a pit crew member when Hendrick Motorsport had a new racer come out in the early 2000s. I believe his name was Jimmy Johnson. He was on his pit crew. Then they bumped him over to Jeff Gordon's pit crew. Then they jumped him over to Dale Jr.'s pit crew. And then when he got a little too old, Hendrick wanted to move on with the pit crew stuff. He jumped ship so he could keep getting the double salary of pit crew with bonuses and engineer. Went over to Denny Hamlin's team. So he finally just retired from pit crew, but he's still an engineer. And actually, I think coaches their pit crew now. Wow, those guys are impressive, man. I'll tell you, I showed a picture, I showed a clip the other day how professional that is. These guys rolled in there, and it was like the fastest ever changing tires. It was like oh, yeah. 0.6 seconds or some shit. I'm like, how is well, that possible? Well, I think now they've got those single lug deals where it's like, yeah, boom. Back then, they were like, five, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. So, so you, you, we all do it. Coaching's a thieves game, right? We all take and pick and choose, and, and we massage oh, yeah. it into our own. Did you? How much shit did you take from him? Like, is 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 was Frank ahead of the curve as far as that that went? He he was, especially in in his time. So there are a lot of coaches that are extremely conservative when it comes to punt return, and with punt return, you know. 
you're, it's a defensive play that turns into an offensive play per se. Yeah. He believed that if you put enough pressure on the punter, you're going to force either a bad punt and then you're going to force, you're going to potentially block one. And of all the stats in football, one of the most telling stats of wins and losses is blocking a punt. Hmm. And it's such a huge turnover in yardage when it comes to the field position game. So, I mean, I think we would block three, four punts a year. We'd block, you know, field goals, you know, a bunch. Uh, you know, it was called Beamer Ball. I mean, yeah. everybody knew about it. Yeah. And, you know, it was almost like we truly expected to block one or two punts a game. I let mean, me, it was what we thought was going to happen. Let me ask you this. Did you guys swap out the the, the, the team or was it like – because a lot of cats get, get – they're so – like I hated this part. That's why I was like, man, no, we're going to put out a team. This is going to be a oh, punt yeah. return team. You know, a lot of cats use the whole uh, defense, stay on, uh, returner, get the safety out of the game, you're returning it, yeah. and then you get no rush. You get tired deep defensive players who just played three downs or six downs, right? And – I used to have said, no, we're, we're putting a new 11, and if you can't fucking well, count right and get 11 out there, new bodies, then yeah. you're shitty. So no. let's get 11 new bodies out there. I know you guys used to get those new bodies out there. Is that something that he was big on to get that pressure and that rejuvenated that, that energy? Yeah, yeah. So, so defensive stay was, like, very rare, you know, and it's, you know, and that was a situational thing. Safe and shit. We always brought guys in, and I'm telling you what. So our punt team was called Pride. Our punt return team was called Pride and Joy. And when we called Pride and Joy on the sideline, it was it was almost like, oh shit, yeah. We're about to block. Like, and and maybe not everyone was going to be a rush, but it was just the fact that the fans all were like, block that, yeah, shit, yeah, yeah, block that shit, and that was the chant that went on in the bleachers, and. We put all Americans across the board. I yeah. mean, we had, you know, we had a guy named Corey Moore who was an all-American defensive end yep. who ran four three nine. He yep. was an undersized guy, but he was just pound for pound probably one of the best athletes. I remember him. We had all American wide receivers, running back, you name it. We had guys on there that were and that paid attention and had passion and that were excited to go out there for that play versus having to go out there for that play. Nah, no doubt, no doubt. I. I, I, I'm the same way, man. I was like, shit. So Let me ask you this. So you played, what, 14 teams in the league? Uh, Technically, I played for 10. Okay, got you. And I, what, what in ten, nine year career and 10 year? Say that again? Nine year career, 10 year? 15. You played 15 years? 2001, retired in 2016, but I played my last game in 2015. Got you, got you, got you. And, and so you played basically for 10 teams. What what was your favorite? Do you have one, or are you just bi- are you not biased? You know, I, I'd like to say I'm not biased, but you know, I played my longest tenure in Cincinnati, yep. and you know, I feel like I still have a connection to the community there. Uh, I tried to do as much stuff as I could while I was there, and uh, you know, like I, I I was at Florida was my last coaching gig, and they ended up drafting the kicker that I was coaching there, and uh, you know, I. I'm not going to say that I'm the reason he went there, but it didn't hurt it. I can say that. Much. Sure. Nah. But I think that just with the success that they had this past year, I had already kind of fallen into like bingo fanfare. 
And, you know, I retired as a Bengal, even though I played for like five other teams or six other teams or so after I left them. Uh, I retired as a Bengal because that's what I felt personified, like my career was was as a Bengal. And, you know, I, I have a lot of pride. I actually was actually at the practice yesterday. I was down in Cincinnati and, you know, it's just such they have so much pride there that, you know, it was kind of up and down back in the day when I was playing. When we were doing really well, it was like you loved being there. When they weren't doing well, it, it wasn't horrible, but there just wasn't the buzz. And and right now, there's just a huge buzz going on in that city. No, no doubt. What what do you feel about that? So, um, obviously, you had to be rooting for them. I picked them, actually, to go to the Super Bowl last year, way back in June. I picked them to play the Rams, and I actually picked the Rams to win. I'm an L.A. homer, even though I'm not a real, I don't really pay attention to the NFL no more with having so many players playing. What, yeah. what do you, uh, how do you think they're going to bounce back? I mean, you know, you've played longer than me in this, in that level. And you know, uh, better than me. Um, a lot of times you see a team go, especially when you're a young up and coming star like Burrow and you see all these things a lot uh, more often than not, you see a letdown the next year. Do you, do you see that? Or you see this guy being the guy? I think Burrow's the guy. No question. I got him as a top three quarterback in the league already. Um, you know, coach's son. I know his dad. Well, he's recruited me forever with Frank Solich over at Ohio. What, what do you, do you, but do you know, you know what I mean? Do you see that they did improve the O line and all that, but you know, in the league, man, it's all about, uh, it's just a hit and miss league, man. You could have the best roster in the world and some shit goes wrong and the wind blows the wrong way and some shit happens and it goes south quick in the league. Uh, everyone's so evenly matched. What Do you see them bouncing, coming back strong or do you see them uh, hitting a wall? I, I see them coming back strong. I, I, I am the last person to ever try to predict that this is whatever. Me do too. I think it's yeah. possible? Yes. I think they've got talent. I think they've got the culture and, and you know, as much as anyone else that without culture and without like togetherness and chemistry and all of those things where everyone's bought in, everyone's on the same damn train, going the same direction. If you don't have that. And, and I think so many teams are, are, are close. I think they're on the same highway. They're just not in the same car. And I think when I, when I was around the team yesterday and what I've seen and, and the relationships I have with their coaches, it seems like everyone's on the same train, on the same cart. And, and everyone, you know, they're just sharing a cart versus sharing a highway and direction. They're all bought into the, to the right thing. No, that's the biggest thing about that's getting 22 guys going the same way at the same time is the hardest thing to do, man. Uh, yeah. You know, you know, Zach, well, uh, I can't say I know him really well. Their special teams coordinator, Darren Simmons, um, I, he coached, was the assistant coach for special teams at Carolina when I played there in 02. And then he ended up bringing me to Cincinnati in 03 when he got the coordinator job. And I played all the way there through with him. And then we've been friends ever since. He's kind of was a mentor for me in the coaching world. And then uh, he's still there. He's the longest tenured coach in the NFL besides Bill Belichick. Wow, that's crazy. And I know that the O-line coach when you were there was the longest tenured coach in the NFL forever. Yeah. Uh, he's Man, he's a hell of a fucking coach now. He don't, And he didn't give a shit about any skilled players. He didn't give a shit about anybody but O-line. Like, I, I had players playing for you guys back then, man. I had a, I had a wide out playing for you guys. Uh, shit. 
I had a wideout playing for you guys back then. I had a safety. You remember Kevin Casey Harn? Yeah. Yeah. So Kevin lived with me. Hey, that doesn't surprise me. Kevin Kevin got a contract over a million dollars, two million dollars. Like he signed an extension. I think his I think his yearly budget was still set at thirty seven thousand. Oh, that dude. So, <laughs> so his dad his dad was I want to say Ty. Ty, he's from Ty. His dad was Thailand. Yeah. His mom, yeah, yeah, or his vice versa. I forgot, but uh, grew up with all brothers like me. We grew up, went to high school together. He lived with me, uh, so he was raised. You know, I, I got him his first sister. I, I got him his first piece of black girl. You know what I'm saying? So he got it. He got a taste, and, and I don't know if he ever uh, fucking recovered. And uh, he leaves his senior year and goes to uh, Minnesota. And he ends up going playing his high school in Minnesota's senior year. He goes yeah. to uh, Augustana D two in in South Dakota or whatever, and goes to the XFL year one. Plays for the Frisco team that L A and Tommy Maddox beat in that first inaugural season of the XFL. And then, um, then you and then you, and then the Bengals take him. Man, he fucking plays to what ten years or some shit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and he was he was a special teams guy. He was uh, he was a defensive guy, and they signed him to a to a good extension too. And I, and I don't uh, you know I don't I don't know exactly how his career ended, but I know one thing: he's not one of those guys you got to worry about their money because because I know he saved every damn penny of it. <laughs> man, that's funny, man. And you you also had Chad and TJ Hushmanzada. You also had yeah. uh they they were we all played together in JUCO by the way uh, pl- along with Steve Smith and Steve and Chad were both went to Santa Monica when I was at Compton so we had battles and uh, you also had fuck I can't I'm drawing a blank but he had a wideout that played for me um went to a JUCO kid that played for me actually was with you guys he was with the Packers a few other guys but so I, I always I always watched you guys for for a long time and that's why I knew I who you were huh. I played with Steve Smith in Carolina too. Oh, that's right. Okay, yep. You play. Was Greg Olson there, or was he still in the Bears? I uh, don't think he was there yet. This was in, in 02. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was still in college, I think. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 You got so you know Pat you you know Pat McAfee well, right? Yeah. We're what? not like we don't like call each other every single day or anything, but yeah, we, you know we were in the same fraternity. That's what I thought. Yeah, he 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 mentions you quite a bit on his show. That's why I was wondering. I was like, yeah, I figured. Yeah, I, I figured you had, you knew him well. Um, I know. Yeah, same fraternity. That's a tight knit. That's a tightly knitted yeah. one. Tightly yeah. knitted one there. How you know? It, it's funny how many of the guys that I either played against or just became friends with, they now have kids, and like I actually have helped out them with their kids because you know their kids are in the recruiting process or. You know, whatever. I mean, Adam Benatari's son is just now getting ready to go to college. Uh, David Aker's son uh, has been in college. And there's quite a few other guys. And it's been really cool to kind of help them be a part of their process as well. Nah, no doubt. No doubt. You you, uh, you, you coached at Florida the last few years. L- let me ask you this. What's the biggest difference in these kids now from when we played? Oh, man. Uh, I know it's a lot. I, let me ask you this. How hard is it to coach these cats compared to when you played as a player, looking at a coach saying, okay, I know I wasn't this kid. I know I wasn't this fucking hard to coach. I mean, is it, do you look at it that way or, or is it just a totally different deal? 
the, the way I saw it is I had to make sure that they knew that I cared about them. No doubt. Because if they don't believe you care about them, then why the hell are they going to listen to They're you? They're out. You're just another, you're just another uh, you know, authority that don't give a shit about them and just wants to control them and boss them around. And but I'll be it, honest with you, not to cut you off, at your level, especially at my level now, having, you know, shit, 200 kids, I'd be lucky to have three white kids. These kids... It, they'll trust you and run through a wall for you. Um, whether I don't care if you're white, black, blue, purple. Um, but at the end of the day, though, they're seeing you and they're like, well, hold up. You're just another dude, not no offense, but you're a white dude authority figure. Another one that's kind of left, just kind of shitted on me. So it's hard to, you got to kind of play that. You got to kind of like walk that slope and say, listen, man, I don't care. I'm here to help you. And once they buy into you, They'll call you their, their, their uncle, their daddy, their father figure for the rest of their life. Yeah. And, and those relationships, I mean, and, and you know this because you still have these relationships with people that have passed through your, your time of, of your mentorship towards them. And you probably still are a mentor towards them. But when you build those relationships, uh, you know, it's, it's the it's the guys that sometimes had the most struggle before they met you that almost mean the most to you when they leave. No doubt. Because you're almost like, I just wish I could continue to have an influence over you. And I hope there's something I can do to give you an influence. But you have to understand it. And I, I watched the show. I saw you. I mean, I know when you come down on guys, but you have they have to know ahead of time, like, hey, I'm not fucking around. Like, I'm going to come down on you, but when I do, you have to understand it's just like when your dad, you know, whips your tail or takes your favorite toy away or whatever, and he's like, you know why I'm doing this, right? Because yeah. I love it. Hell yeah. You know, Hell yeah. you got to make sure that guys know that you care about them. And and I can I can tell you so many of my players, when I former players, when I get off the phone with them, Love you, brother. You know what I'm saying? Like, I make sure they know that I still care about them. I don't care if they were a starter or a guy that never played. Nah, no doubt, man. I, it's funny you said that because I just think it's a thing, man, because, I, you know, I've had a bunch of ton of my ex-players on this show and uh, over the last few weeks, and I, it's just like, you know, they, they'll tell everybody, you know, 3,900 hours you film me, you get to see me globally 16 hours, and you're like, okay, there's got to be, if I'm not, totally just lost in the sky and the clouds i gotta understand there's more shit to this guy right like yeah nick saban told me himself he's like dude if they film me for fucking 3900 hours jv i would be fired or on some type of billboard and i'm just like no shit i said it and and you know i can't even tell you the amount of big time coaches that have said JB, I can't even thank you enough for being who you are because we can't do it at our level because of the politics, <laughs> because of the money we make. I mean, there's so many variables, right? So it is what it is, man. I had no issue carrying that burden because, hey, you know. I, I'm not going to lie to you. When uh, when I was watching that show, hold on a second. I'm pouring another drink here. What do you got? What are you drinking over there? <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad because it's not slapdick. Oh, it's all good. Is I that a uh, Knob Creek? What was that? Blanton's. 
Oh, Bland's is fucked, man. You're big time. See, you may, you got that NFL money, coach. You, you over there fucking with me now. Bland's about $300 a bottle. Hey, I'll be honest with you. I got slapstick all over my house. I got 100 bottles sitting in here. And right now I'm drinking some I'm drinking some scotch. And this is Oban. Well, I, I told you I was going to order some, but I'm, I'm sorry. I've been lazy. I hadn't actually. Man, I got to gotta send you a bottle, man. This is Oban right here. I got uh, hanging out with Pat, Matt, uh, Pat Perez. It's 400 yeah. a bottle. Ooh, nice. This is Scott. Now this is Scotch. This is this is different shit now too. Yeah. But I I know Blanton's is good shit. Um, it is now. It's the cheaper bottle. It's 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 not the three hundred dollar bottle. It's the it's one of the cheaper bottles. But when I say cheaper, it, still one hundred and fifty, something like that. Yeah. But I started collecting a little while back, and I don't have any slapdick bottles, so I got to fix that. I got to get you one. I got to send you one after this, man. Um. I got to definitely get you that. Uh, let yeah. me ask you this. Not only, uh, so the first question about the players now playing and how hard it is to coach them or, or how different it is to coach them. How, is yeah. it much harder to get kids to buy in now uh, versus when we played with these NIL deals and the possibility of them transferring on you at a drop of a dime compared to back in the day when the scholarship hanging over their head uh, basically demanded their attention, which I frankly, be honest, I missed that because I think right now there is no hierarchy or chain of command anymore. I think kids run the show because they're making $8 million at 17-year-olds, because they know they can leave in a drop of a dime, because they tell the parents what the fuck they want to do and what not to do. And it's crazy we've given these kids the keys to the car before we ever taught them how to drive. You know, you know, discipline is, is, is a lost art and we've put so many limitations on how we can discipline and, you know, what's appropriate and all this stuff. And yeah, like, like we live in a world where, you know, if you even speak up to a mother who lets their kid talk to them a certain way, like you're going to get in trouble because you say something about, um, you know, you can let your kid talk to you like that. Like, right. like, well, mind your damn business. And it's like, all right, well, when that kid's in, you know, is either in jail or, you know, does some stupid shit, like 15 years from now when they grow up, you didn't hear anything from me, right. but you know, and, and when the kids get to college and, and, and maybe it's, you know, I think we try to create this God complex within these kids too young. You know, I, I don't believe that we should be having press conferences and, 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 and hat reveals like crazy. Right. You know, but like I remember doing it when I was coming out, but it wasn't it wasn't like there was Twitter. It wasn't all the stuff. I think social media has become such an evil that just kind of makes things it makes us hypersensitive to being offended, but also desensitizes us to seeing things and not reacting like we should have. I mean, you think about some of the things that you would see when you were growing up, uh, you know, if someone had like a video of someone getting their arm chopped off, like, yeah. like that, that would have like been like, holy shit, yeah. you know, from growing up. And now it's just like, oh, huh, okay. And you know, that's a great point, man. I, I swear to God, I saw a video when I was coaching at Long Beach Cabrillo High School, man. I see it. Someone sent me this video when, when it's 2011, right? It starts to get big online. They sent me a video of some third world country. These dudes are axing off the heads of a bunch of women. 
Yeah. And I'm like, holy fuck. I felt, I felt like, holy shit, dude. Nowadays, they're showing that shit on YouTube as a, as a, as a clout chase. Yeah. And, and you can't unsee that. But what that does is it programs your brain to become more and more desensitized. It's just like when you jump in a cold, a cold tub. Yep. When you first get in, it's like, holy shit. Yeah. But after a little while, your body gets used to it and you, you can handle it. Well, that's what social media and, and a lot of this video stuff, the shock value and the, you know, just all of this stuff has just created a world in which we've become so desensitized. But yet at the same time, we're trying to let everyone get offended and hyper offended over the stupidest stuff. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't look for other people's feelings. I'm not saying that because I do think you need to protect people's feelings when it comes to certain things. But, and, and you shouldn't bully and all that. But the things that people get offended for on certain levels uh, are, are just becoming so, like, ticky-tacky now. And you have to, like, walk on eggshells. And, oh, man. You know, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Before I jumped on here, I'm like, oh, shit. I, I hope I don't say something that gets me canceled somewhere, you know? <laughs> hey, you're not coaching D1 no more, right? You're right. You're right. Hey, that's the only thing. I, that's why I don't even ask certain people to come on because I know they won't come on, especially when it was the Slapdick podcast. Shit, you wouldn't even get a fucking I, – I, I didn't even care. I was like, I had Marshall Falk. I had a few buddies like Marcellus Wiley and shit, but I was like, you know what? I don't even really care to do it. But now I'm going to take over. The, I'm going to be like, you know what? We're going to – we're going to blow this thing up and do it. I said, screw it, man. If I, I'm going to keep my four dogs at the house and chill, then I'm going to do something, man. And I'm like, shit, if I ain't coaching. But you know what? I'm going to be honest. I got a confession to make. I watched the, uh, the Hard Knocks deal the other day, and uh, it's the first time probably in, I don't know, three years that I, I missed the game. For the first time, yeah. I saw it finally, and I missed it a little bit because I missed that whole interaction deal. Not really anything else. Um, I missed the interaction, and I was like, shit, man, he has a good staff. I knew a few of those guys, but he had a bunch of former players. Uh, I thought Brunel was a, was a hell of a hire. Uh, he has a hell of a crew there, and I'm like, you know, you know, I'm rooting for the guy, even though I don't know if it'll win in the NFL. The, 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 from, from going motherfucker to crying, I just never have seen it work at that level. And I just, uh, we'll see if it does, but I'm rooting for the Lions now, kind of. And uh, it's just, that's the first time in a while um, I've yeah. missed it, you know. But we'll see how you it know, goes, man. Shit. And, and, you know, that's why, so like I started a business that's consulting, coach, coaching consulting, where I work with high school teams, small college teams, even other teams beyond that that uh, are willing to accept or say they need help. But with just a logistical organization of special teams, practices, scouting reports, game planning, depth charts, just certain things. And, you know, I make sure that they all know, like, if I ever cross paths with an opponent, like, there's, there's a – NDA here that I will not share anything. And and why would I? Because if that ever happened, then it, what's my business worth? But, and then I'm actually able to do like presentations on the value of special teams, how it helps you make the NFL. But a lot of it has become, uh, it, it's just easier because I was a kicker. It's what everyone expects is I give private instructional lessons with very highly in, in detail, like, film study from multiple angles, uh, 
mental exercises to help them, you know, learn how the mental process, situational football IQ stuff. And, and it scratches that itch, you know, like, cause I get that itch no and I've gone to a couple practices and I've had a lot of coaches bring me in uh, to their, to, to watch things and, and help them with stuff. And it's like, it's nice to be around it, but it's also nice to, to walk out of the building while other people are still in the building. No, no doubt. No doubt. What, what's the name of your new deal? It's called elite winning solutions. I'm going to put it in the deal here. Elite winning solutions. Got you. Um, yeah. Website is elite winning solutions.com. I'm going to put it in here. Uh, elite winning solutions. Yes. Dot com. Yeah. So I'll, you know, if, if guys like free agents, college guys, whatever, they come into town, um, I got an all-inclusive deal where they come, they stay here, I house them, I feed them, we, uh, we train, we, you know, we want to go for bike rides for exercise, we can do that, but I got a weight room in the back, I put them through certain types of uh, exercises that maybe they just either didn't know about or that their strength coaches don't ever do for them because they're specifically skills specific to the, the kicking or punting or long snapping or whatever it may be. And then I've actually done some work with a few guys on returning, you know, returner skills. And it's just, it's just fun because I get to build relationships with all these guys, try to help them, you know, make calls for them uh, through the relationships of, you know, recruiting in college with the high school guys that I work with or helping the guys that are trying to make it into the NFL or whatever level, you know, being able to, you know, if this person is as of this level, you know, I'm not going to like lie about it and, you know, just, just to get somebody I worked with in there. But if they've got, if they're worth their salt, then you better believe I'm going to pass it on to people I know. No, no but doubt. Those relationships is what I, what I missed. And it, this scratches that itch. What what did was Carson the quarterback when you were with the Bengals all those years? Uh yes. Now the first year he was there, he was just drafted. So we had John Kitna, yep, who who played, and Carson didn't play a single snap. John Kitna played every single snap of that season, and because every single game was either we barely lost it or barely won it, yeah. it seemed like. So we never ever had a chance to get Carson in for experience. But I think it, you know, I think there was a lot of learning. If, 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 if rookies could all take a year, I promise you they'd probably all be better. And, you know, it's just – it's tough. You know, any, anybody that comes in as a rookie, it's always really hard to, to just immediately adjust. Man, I say the same thing about freshmen playing at Alabama, Georgia, these big SEC schools, Michigan, Ohio State. I think redshirting is a great thing at that level unless you're coming from a JUCO, Right. I think you yeah. you should, and and I think peer pressure has been the number one reason for transfer portal. I think that the kids that I, I've been saying this the last few days, I see. I think two kids come from out of high school that were both five star. One goes Alabama, one goes to Georgia. One starts as a freshman, one redshirts, and then all their peers on social media are talking shit to the one that's redshirting. And guess what? He gets peer pressure. He gets a sense of getting clowned nowadays on social media and they enter the portal because I should be playing like my other buddy at five star. And I, I see that more often than not. And it's just not talked about. And I'm just like, dude, 
I think Saban knows what the fuck he's doing. I think you should listen. And I think um, there's more guys in the league from that guy than anyone right now. So why don't you just get coached up for a year and let your body mature a little bit? Yeah. It just it blows my mind, man. I, I think that Justin Fields, uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, Kyler Murray even, I think all these kids um, – would benefit for backing up somebody. Even if the backup's not as talented as you, obviously. that's. I mean, even if the starter's not as talented as you, I still think they would have benefited. And I think the money's so large now compared to when we were playing when we first came in, not only league minimum, but all the way up to these big-time deals. I just think that they're forced to play these guys. And to me, it's just like I think we're setting them up to fail. I think quarterback plays at all time worse in NFL history. Only because, and I'm not saying that because of talent. I think we're more talented than we've ever been. I just think that the play itself from that particular position is because of the high school trainers, seven on seven, uh, going to college. We're trying to play fast. We're in the gun. We teach zero under center fundamentals anymore. We're teaching everything to go fast, tempo, fucking RPO. We're not even worried about reading coverage. We're worried about reading one guy, and if he takes the back, we throw the slant. If he drops, give the ball. And it's like we're not teaching really what the hell rotation is, two high, one high, what's on the roof. We're not teaching sky, cloud. These kids know nothing anymore, and they don't even know what a three technique is. And that's why you see less and less checks by Lamar Jackson's, Kyler Murray's. See, I don't agree with, I had a couple guys on the show that were like, you know, I had Bernard Pollard on the show who was just like, listen, JB, I'm with you with the Lamar Jackson thing. He goes, there's a reason he doesn't check anything because he can't um, mentally. And I go, well, damn, that's coming. That's a lot from a guy that played in the league who won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. And I'm just like, I'm the other way. I think coaches first and foremost should be teachers. And I said, we are failing the kids at teaching them what a front is, what O-line protection is, what we really do in every facet. And I said, we're so worried about getting the best athlete to go fast and run triple option, RPO. And when they get to the league, you're on your own. And I think we're failing them. And I think Lamar Jackson, a great kid. I know a buddy of mine recruited him in Louisville and coached him. Uh, you know, great character, great kid, freak of nature, right? I would have loved to have him in fucking yeah. college. But I just don't ever see him sustaining at an NFL level. And that's why the reason I think Ravens are refusing to pay him. Same with Kyler Murray. He gets his money uh, regardless of what's come out about the whole film thing and all that. I still never thought he, he had a chance. I mean, I just don't see it because these guys – are so under-trained fundamentally as far as climbing the pocket, continue to eyes downfield. The Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, the guys that have had so much success, they're not running around escaping the fucking pocket. And and I think Mahomes has become that same guy. He's gimmicky. I think it caught up to him. I think it's going to even catch up to him even more. And now without Tyreek Hill, a guy that breaks coverage over the top on a broken play, I think uh, he struggles even more. And I just... I don't know, man. I just think the quarterback play overall as a totality has been is worse than it's ever been on just the, the I guess the definition of the of the position, I guess. There's no more you know, reading coverage, making throws. Every time you run around back there, there's a guy wide open. Yeah. Well, and and you know, there, there are certain players that that have, you know, pocket presence and durability and and are hard to bring down 
and you have guys that are gifted that can run faster than other guys and, and, and make moves to find space and have the vision downfield. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate I played college ball with Michael Vick and to see the way that he could do things. But yet I also felt like he had pocket presence. He did. I think, I think overall when you look at the way that this has played out, so you're saying like if guys are making one read on one player, okay, if I'm a defensive coordinator and if I'm a really good defensive coordinator, I'm figuring out who you're making that read on. It's probably not too hard to figure out. Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bait the shit out of him. Yep. Okay, I'm going to make him make mistakes. We're going to bring that back to your reading and drop the D in. Yeah, you know, like you're you're gonna you're gonna exploit that and take take advantage of it. So, but you look at like guys that want to play as freshmen and guys that don't understand the fucking Beatles weren't made overnight. You know, the Beatles did not come to America for a freaking American Idol game show right. and all of a sudden become superstars. They played tiny ass little bars for nights and nights and nights for years until they finally made a name for themselves and became huge. And everybody wants to throw something in the microwave, pull it out 30 seconds later and, and wave it around and say, look what I got. But it doesn't work that way. You've got to develop skill. So many people have talent, physical ability that has to be developed over time. And that's physically and mentally. And, and when you've got to figure out and understand and accept and have patience that's when you turn into something that's special, you know, just saying like, oh, I'm built different. You know, I ain't like all these other guys. Well, well that may be true, but are you going to last when things get hard, when they get tough? And, and all these guys that want to, you know, let's just look at some recruiting guys, whether you're a three-star, four-star, five-star, you're super relevant. It's hot. You know, you're, you're the topic of conversation. You're on 247.com. You're on Twitter. You're on this. You're blessed to get an offer from blessed to get an offer from blessed to get an offer from whatever. All right. Then you go to that school. Then whether you play or not, there's nobody writing articles about you. You're just your, your scout team kickoff, your scout offense, scout defense, your whatever. You're waiting for your opportunity you're developing, but you don't even realize you're developing. And all of a sudden you see Johnny over here hits the transfer portal and people are writing articles about him. Oh, shit. Well, I want to be relevant again. I ain't even playing. I don't, I, they're sleeping on me. Why don't, if I jump in the portal, maybe I can get more articles and get more attention and be relevant again. And then all of a sudden you got how many, how many thousand guys that are sitting out there Still waiting. Just oh, in fuck. Every and I'm saying that everybody that transfers is bad. I'm, I, 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 I just know that there are some that just don't have the patience or aren't competitive enough. And then I also understand that there are guys that are in over their heads and maybe they need to drop down to a level. And maybe there are guys that are being treated unfairly. And I'd be, I would be unfair if I said it didn't happen. No, I hear you. I mean, I just hate the fucking victim role when these kids are starting to play this, uh, you know, political thing. It's a political thing, and I'm transferring now because, really, it's a competitive thing, and you have none. <laughs> and I think we lost it. Like, did you see the little the little, little league kid get hit in the head? I did. 
I did. What What'd you think about the hugging of the the guy that got hit? He hugs the pitcher because the pitcher is a mental wreck. Apparently, he's crying and all that. I I said, listen. I said, I said simply. I said, listen. I believe it's a perspective thing. I believe it's how you were raised. I believe it's all about what you kind of how you were raised. And I said, listen. I I have no issue with kids hugging. That's a that's a good thing, right? But I said, you know, between the lines, I don't know if we understand in this latest generation do we understand the difference between competition between the lines and being nice guys i I just don't know if that's a difference like my dad would have beat my ass when i got home (laughs) i'd have been like shit you hugged who who hit you like it would have been more of a competitive thing and i got a daughter and everything and i'm all for all that shit but at the same time it's like you know, I, I broke this down yesterday, and I just like, I guess it's all perspective, man. I mean, 12-year-olds don't bother me doing it, but at the same time, you know, when they get to high school, are they even fucking worse off, and now they're gunning at people's heads, or are they better off? I just don't know if anyone's done that study. <laughs> yeah. You know what, though? That, that's tough, because while I, I can see, I see it from both sides. I, I see it as, you know, in the heat of the moment, I don't know how 12 year old me would have reacted if I would have gotten up and wanted to, you know, throw, throw fisticuffs at him. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Right. But I also know like once I got to first base and I turned around and noticed like, okay, the kid didn't do this on purpose. I I think, I think for me knowing that the intention was not to hit me, no, I don't know if I would have gone up to the mound and hugged him, but but maybe I would have like clapped real loud and said, "Hey, it's all right, bud. It's all right. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. It didn't hurt, you know. Like I'm okay." But uh, I I don't know if I would have gone up to him and hugged him. And 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 while I see the human side of it and wish more people had compassion for other people and empathy and sympathy and everything. I don't know that I would have gone out there, but I think I would have at least tried to make it clear that he didn't hurt me. You know, like I'm over here at first base. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. Get your shit together, you know, but I, I just don't know how I would, truly would have reacted. Uh, me either. I, I, I know how I would have acted. I know how I would have reacted. It was just I would have. I would have been trying to still the base and score on his ass and give him a look. You know what I'm saying? I, yeah. I, and then, and yeah. I understand at that level, I understand at that level, you live together, you're, you're, you're in the dorm rooms and all that shit. But I would have been, that would have been something we talked about that night. And I knew, and I would have known this guy didn't throw at me on purpose. It got away. I, I knew that. Yeah. It wasn't like this guy's gunning at me. There's a difference. We all know as competitors, as players, we know the difference if you're, if you're going to hit me on purpose or not. So yeah. that's just what I, I would have just tried to beat his ass in the game of play. I wouldn't have been mad at him or going after him, but I also wouldn't have hugged him. There's no fucking way in the world. I wasn't going to hug the <laughs> motherfucker, but you know, it is what it is, man. I, I don't know. Um, what, what's your deal, man? So you, you back home and join the fam. I, I talked to so many guys lately, D one, big time D one head coaches that I've buddies with. And they're like, JB, I'm gonna be honest. If this thing continues on the track, it is on. Between NIL, Transfer Portal, if we continue to make it free agency without a return like it is right now, uh, I don't know how long I can do it. I might be getting into pharmaceuticals. I've heard it all. Business, I've heard it all. Um, do you think you're going to miss it here? Or are you going to ever think about going back? Would you do the NFL? 
uh, as far as a coach or no? You know, I've, I've had, uh, I've, I've been in conversations to interview and, 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 and as much as I feel like I would have that competitive urge to do it, uh, I feel like there's no turning back right now. And, you know, if I've, if I've committed to saying and having those that depend on me, whether it be uh, as, a, as a husband, as a father, as a relative, uh, a, a caregiver to whatever, uh, I don't feel like it would then be fair for me to say like, hey, I'm, I'm going to take this job and I'm either going to move and you're going to stay here or we're just going to pick up everything and move. And, and that's so tough to like do when for so many years of my life, I was probably a selfish son of a bitch and did everything I wanted. And, you know, like I just, I could do whatever I wanted. You know, there was truly nothing that made me want to commit outside of myself. And for once in my life, I finally gotten to that point and you know it's healthy and it's it's i enjoy it and it's just at a point where i just don't think a million dollar offer would even a million a year two million a year i don't think i'd take it yeah that's good shit so can this new venture sustain well you know i am very fortunate to have had the career i had before this but um, now that's you know, huge. A lot of kids. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Like I, I talk about shit all the time. Pat McAfee, right? He's a unicorn right now, right? He he's oh making hand over dollar, uh, hand over fist. He's doing sayings that you know he could be a billionaire anytime now if he wanted to. Uh, yeah. You know, but also he had money coming in that he invested in himself. Now he did bet on himself yeah. and 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 take you know scared money don't make money, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, but also, you, it's good if you had some money now, but you also yeah. earned that money. You are one of one. You played in the NFL as a kicker and played for a fucking long time, and a lot of people don't understand that either. Um, and then you got the, you know, the slapdicks like me who come out and try to start a show uh, with no capital, and it's like you got to earn that thing and build it up. Um, oh, so, so that's, a, that's a good point. So, like, you, you obviously have a little bit of cushion there, which is good, I guess, for the family, but... If this is something you love to do and you're going to do it, then at oh, least you have absolutely. a buffer that you can go all out on, I guess, huh? And and I've got plans, and there's actually things already in the works and partnerships that are uh, that are already being built and contracts being drawn up and all kinds of stuff that that are going to become uh, regional to, to national to potentially even overseas, uh, and. And within that, and, and it's more than just what I kind of do. It's, 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 it's the same, but it's different. I don't know how to explain it really because I just don't want to get ahead of myself sure. since it's not yet. Sure. But um, I would love for that to be something that I can continue to grow and a nest egg for my, you know, fifth generation behind me. But, um, you know, I, I played like, a, like, like so many guys at certain points when I was handed that big paycheck. I mean, I tried. I tried to blow it. I'm not going to lie. I, I was out there. I mean, I had a, a freaking crazy sports car. I had a couple other cars. You know, some, some guys probably hit you up in the messages saying, I remember one of those cars, you know. But, uh, 
you know, I, I learned my lesson. I'll just say I learned my lesson. And luckily, when I had the people, you know, I got a new financial advisor and other things like luckily they were able to like stop me before I got past a point where I didn't have earning potential the same, you know, because so many guys, especially those young guys, they're sitting in a locker beside a guy that's making $7 million a year and they're making 500000 And when they go out to the bar, they want to look like that guy so that they don't feel less than. And then you have the parking lot, you know, competitions in the parking lot and you know, TJ, TJ Hushmanzada gives me, gives me a hard time because uh, he always knew I would be the first one in the parking lot in that first space. And I parked my red Lamborghini right in that damn first spot. And he to this day, he gives me shit for it. But luckily, I learned my lesson. I stopped that. I stopped living in that world where I felt like I had to impress people. And I felt like I had to give the image of having this income and this life and once I got out of that, then I needed to grow past my internal emotional flaws and mature past that. And then finally think I'm at a good place. No, I hear <laughs> you, man. It's funny, man. I was actually got a cup of tea when I was back in the chiefs and I would be on these, uh, we used to take the train. We play like St. Louis or Chicago close by teams. And we were like Tony Gonzalez, all these, I played Tony in high school and, and his older brother, Chris was my tight end in Juco. And, uh, yeah. And so we had like Sammy, Sammy, uh, uh, fuck Sammy's name. Sammy Knight was a safety. Uh, Tony, all these guys are making this big money. Um, and uh, I'm sitting there like Eddie Kennison, all these guys, and uh, we're, they're playing Madden or playing cards. And these dudes are like trying to shark people like us, right? We're playing for 50 bucks a game. Then it goes to 500 a game. And then it goes to 5,000 a game. I go, motherfucker. I make practice squad money. You make a hundred million dollars, Tony. Stop fucking with me. And yeah. that's just like similar to what you're saying. It's like, fuck man, we're trying to we're trying to buy all the drinks in the club. We make a hundred grand, but these dudes are making a million, but you want the girl to think you're ma- you're you're making the same money. It's like, dude, it's public record. They can fucking figure it out. Yeah. 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 And but you know what? It, it, it's it's it, it's addicting. It's it's a it's a it's it's the feeling of adjure, you know adulation from people and all that. Uh, it's a high, you know, no like doubt. it's a drug, and, and and it's legal. But shit, I mean, it, it's addicting because when it's gone, there are a lot of players that those are the issues they have when it's over. Is it's not just that they don't make the money anymore because they they can be fine and have money put aside, whatever. It's it's the rush of Sunday night, Sunday, you know, game day. It's the going to the restaurant and, you know, every single waiter stops by and shakes your hand. You know, the, the manager walks you to your seat. Uh, people come in and asking for autographs or whatever, you know, like that feeling is, is can be intoxicating and you have to learn how to accept it and be humbled by it versus accept it and, and make yourself think you need it. You know, because then all of a sudden it's you needed a little bit and then that next high you needed a little bit more and then it just escalates as if you're, you know, you know, other things that people can get addicted to. No doubt. What? Let me ask you this and I don't want to keep you too long. I know you're busy. What? What's going on with uh, these these coaches? 
I think there's a there's a perception out there that uh, by the by the by the common fan or these uh, these Twitter gurus, uh, yeah, pour you some Blantons, brother. Um, <laughs> these Twitter gurus out here who who feel that they think they know when a head coach gets a job, they un- they think they really earned it, other than whether it's really a nepotism, whether you're related by blood or or, or by who you know and who knows you. The NFL is a full on nepotism, just like Division One. These coaches that got these jobs um, in the NFL, this guy with the Miami Dolphins, uh, the OC, the titled OC, let me put that in quotations, the titled OC, as I think the general population doesn't understand the difference between a titled OC and a real OC. McVay calls his shit. Uh, You know, the head, Shanahan, or Shannon calls his shit. Like, it's not... Uh, it's not the guy that get, but they got him a job, right? That's a head coach's job. Get you where you couldn't get yourself. So you know better than anybody. How intimate is a locker room setting? And then how crucial is it that you all buy into the guy at the top? Um, and do you see these young guys, the, the, the guy that went to the Vikings from the Rams and never called the play, the guy that went for, to the Dolphins who, who looks like a fucking buffoon to me, but who knows, right? Um, yeah. How, how how what do you think these guys do you think these guys are buying into these guys and how long do you think it lasts? I don't think it lasts long. I think it's just a slap in the face. I, I think when when that happens and you know nepotism is is a funny thing with with multifaceted layers that go into it because yes there is that that will it, you've been around it your whole life. You've been, you've been groomed for this and you know, how much did you actually pay your dues versus did you just get the opportunity without proving yourself? And I can tell you, I've seen both sides of it, you know? So if I, if I just want to give an example of, of one that super positive paid their fucking dues and now they've got their shot would be Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Okay. Shane Beamer was a GA at a gazillion schools. Okay. He, he, he didn't just get handed like a running backs job or a receivers job or a special teams coach job. Like he worked his way up. He did the grunt work. He did all the stuff he's got to do uh, that we all do to learn how to, you know, use Vizio and, and, yeah. <laughs> all the analytical stuff we have to do and, you know, go get cups of coffee for the coach when he doesn't feel like having it and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then he got a position coach and then he got a special teams coordinator and then he got assistant head coach and whatever job. So he worked his way before he became a head coach. Now, what I think is funny and, and, and I don't know the true issue behind this, and, and maybe there's some racism. Maybe there's just the good old boy system. I don't know what it is. But I think with the NFL, you're seeing guys get these opportunities. And, and I'm just be, be personal. Like, I don't know who these people are. Now, that's because I haven't been in that world. And, and that's why I don't know who they are. But they're in their upper 20s. They're in their 30s. And then you've got these guys that maybe some of them were former players, but they've proven themselves as coaches. And I'm like, well, why is, how did that guy get the job 
compared to this person who actually has pedigree with their their history. And I, I just don't get it. And and I don't know, you know, you can do the Art Rooney rule all you want and, and say you got to interview this guy. And, uh, whatever. That's a slap I, I, in the face. You know, I think it's bullshit. And, and, and I don't think you can, I don't know the answer because I don't think the Rooney, Rooney rule is really working. And I don't think you can like legislate out people's actual actions. If they're, if it's, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't say you've got to, you've got to interview four white coaches and at least one black coach, or you have to interview a black coach. And you can't say you have to hire a black coach either. You can't, you can't go too extreme with it, but somewhere down the road, somebody's got to get this shit figured out that you need to hire the right. best people. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that, you know, someone can't just go out there and say, yeah, well, well, you know, this guy was better than that guy. It doesn't matter what, that he was white. And I get it. And that may be the case in cer- certain situations, but you can't tell me that some of these guys that we're all talking about coming off of teams as great coordinators that could be up for this job. And then they don't even, they're not even close to being considered. And then you get somebody hired in there. That's a super young OC. And it's like, okay, well, whatever. But nepotism comes in, 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 in all shapes and sizes and forms. People don't realize like head coach at K state right now, Kansas is a state where no nepotism is allowed at any university, any institution. Well, guess what happens, though? He calls Jimbo Fisher, friend of his, and his son is now GA at A&M. So, yeah. like, that's nepotism to me because you've skipped over a bunch of cats that are working their asses off to get that spot, but you made a phone yeah. call, and it's who you know and who knows you, and you know that better than yeah. anybody. Um Listen, I don't keep you on too long. I got two parts I want to ask you. No better person to ask than this, um, than you. I got two things. My most, the top five most annoying fan bases. I couldn't ask. A kicker has to be like the free throw shooter late in the game, right? Um, It has to be equivalent. So the most, the top five most annoying fan bases, I'm going to put it on the ticker. I'm going to put my five and then please correct and and give us yours. And then I'm going to talk about the top five. Uh, my top five hardest stadiums to play in. They may not. They some may be the same as annoying, but um, as far as loud, as far as obnoxious, as far as just a tough place to play in. Let's start with the top five most annoying fan bases. Here's mine on the ticker. I got Philly as one. Uh, I just have to put Philly. A lot of people don't understand that having a, a couple cups in the tea in, in preseason and, and being in that in that place when it was the old place. I was like, holy shit, man, this place is unreal. Vegas now, which would have obviously been Oakland or L.A. when the Raiders were the Raiders. Um, I think New England is a very, very um, annoying place. And then I got Dallas and Cleveland. Uh, You know better than than anybody if Cleveland should be on there as far as annoying. Not definitely the hardest place, but the most annoying fan bases. Yeah. What would be yours? You know, uh, I don't know if I can go through a top five, but a couple places stand out, like, I felt like Cleveland's fans were just insistent on always trying to heckle and, and it, but it wasn't even funny, you know, like <laughs> some, 
people heckle and that shit's just funny. <laughs> like, like I, I want to say Dallas, right? But we're playing in Dallas and, and I'm young in my career. And this kid's calling me Opie, like nonstop. And, you know, hell, I've had that nickname since I was a little kid. <laughs> yeah. So Don't mean shit but, to me. But, but he's being like so creative about it. He's like, where'd you Paul get that kicking shoe? He go out to my pilot. And, and just like saying stuff. And I'm like, I'm laughing by the end of the game. I turn around and flip the guy football and say, you were good. And, and, you know, and he like dat me up over the rail. Um, there's been other games where the start of the game, like we're playing in Baltimore. I think it was Oh seven, maybe. And nobody's scoring touchdowns. And I think I kicked seven field goals in that game. And by the end of the game, their, their fans went from, like, talking shit to, like, saying, holy shit, you're killing it for my fantasy league right now. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Philly, I, I feel you on that. Oh, absolutely. Philly is a uh, – in all, in all sports, right? Yeah, no matter what. I'm good friends with Billy Wagner, really good closer in the league for a while. He's from the same part of Virginia that I'm from. And he told me when he played for the Phillies – he would strike somebody out, and if his first pitch was over a hundred, and his second pitch was either not a hundred, was like ninety something, they would boo because he didn't throw a hundred. Holy! <laughs> hey, I know I've heard stories, man. Fuck, I, it's unbelievable. I've heard Charles Barkley stories because he 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 lives up by Pat Perez, and and I got to call, a couple conversations. He's just like, dude. The rats are this big, and he's like, the fucking fan base is the same way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so annoying. Okay, now how about hardest? Um, I'm going to put my top five hardest. I got Seattle at the top, followed by Kansas City, New Orleans, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh. I, I kind of factored weather in there, depending on when you're there. Yeah. Uh, indoors, Seattle, KC, they're both – KC's not indoor, but they're both fucking loud as far as the decimal level. Uh, you played in Seattle. I know. Uh, are those are those kind of accurate, or, or are those hard places to win? I, I think you've got a good list there. Um, for me, honestly, the uh, difficulty of playing had nothing to do with the fans or anybody outside the field because uh, I didn't give a fuck what they did when I played. Excuse my language, some people out there. But um, – the grass, the field conditions, that played a lot into the stability and balance of having proper foot on ball contact, all that crap. And then the wind and, you know, the moisture, all that kind of stuff. To me, that's what made it hard for me to perform. And, you know, I thought Pittsburgh had a really kind of like off kilter uh, wind pattern through there with, with the open end and, and certain things not being symmetrical. Uh, Cleveland, you know, they always seem to have a, a strong wind kind of whipping through their unsymmetrical stadium. Um, I would say Seattle had, had a little wind that was tough, but I felt like playing on the turf may, you know, at least made up for that. I thought Chicago was really freaking tough. I mean, for Robbie Gould to have the success that he had there for so long, like kudos to him for doing that. And honestly, Jeff Reed, who kicked at Pittsburgh for like the longest time when I was there, 
I mean, he was rock solid. And I think, you know, he had a little bit of a fall off in, in that, la you know, last season before they let him go. And I think it was a lot because their field was falling apart. And, and you know, I hate to make excuses for guys, but I watched one of his kicks and the whole, like, you ever step on a welcome mat and it just slides yeah. underneath of you? Yeah. The turf just gave out with him and he ended up missing the kick. And you could see it, like, folded over, like, on the ground beside his foot after the kick. And I think what hurt him is that he, he, he brought it up in the interview and, you know, they needed an excuse, I guess. I, I don't know, but they ended up going a different direction after that. But, uh, yeah, that stadium, uh, Green Bay, honestly, uh, I like Green Bay. Just just the history. Yeah. The, honestly, their fans are so damn nice. It, it's, like, weird. It, it, it's almost like, is this reverse psychology right now? Really? <laughs> it really is. You know, when you're leaving the stadium, they're like, Welcome back. Come back again, eh? You know, like whatever accent they have. And, <laughs> uh, Kansas City, honestly, to me, that place has like the most atmosphere. No doubt. Uh, like loudest, like just, oof. For like, being outdoors too, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's cool. Like, I, like every time I played there, I had always heard about how loud it was. But, it, you know, it's just different. Yeah, it and, is. You know, and, and I've been in stadiums with over a hundred thousand people, and, and and it's loud, but it's 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 different. It's it, it it's just different when you've got the stadiums are built different in college than they are in the NFL. Yep. And when you have a crazed fan base built with a stadium that's actually built for acoustics, whereas college stadiums are not built for acoustics, they're built on getting as many freaking people in one place as possible. Uh, Seattle Stadium, in general, was built to be an acoustic chamber. And, you know, that's why the, them and Kansas City go back and forth yep. with, like, the yep. loudest place or whatever. Yep. And, you know, it, it, it's just different, but they have an actual college atmosphere. No, nah, they and, do. And nothing better than a college atmosphere. I think it's better than most NFL places, but Kansas City comes really close. And I love the atmosphere of Bengals, they, you know, uh, Paycor Stadium, whatever they're calling it now. Yeah, just, no shit. Um, the atmosphere they had there, I loved it. It was great. But it wasn't – it was like if it was up and down, you got the best of it when it was up here, and then it was kind of dead when it was down here. But but the Kansas City Stadium, I will say, was, was a great atmosphere. Nah, I hear you. And, 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 and I'll get you out of here. Who was the hated one for you? You were with Cincinnati the longest. It was Cleveland, Baltimore, or Pittsburgh? Which place did I hate? Yeah, like, it's not only you, but your team. I mean, you were in Cincinnati the longest, I guess, but was was that clearly the the most hated division amongst the four? I mean, you guys all pretty much hate each other in that deal. I think if you look at divisions uh, – the AFC North is is hard. I mean, the, every stadium is outdoor, hard to play in, potential weather issues. And, yeah, you've got that in other places. But, hell, New England gets to go down and play in Miami at least once a year. Um, you know, and, and everybody gets to do that. But within your division, when you are just – every team in your division except for Mason, except for Cleveland has had a lot of success. 
But but Cleveland, it's not like they're always horrible. They yeah. just things don't always work out. Right. And I honestly blame that on the fact that they've got a new staff every other year, and it's hard for them to build any culture. Um, and honestly, like they signed me at one point to to kick for them. I went through a preseason, went 100 percent in games, went over 95 percent in practice. Uh, they cut me, and it was because I wasn't as good of a kickoff guy as I was as a field goal guy, and their analytics department said that field position was more important than uh, three points. Three points. So I kind of take a little bit of like, all right, well, you know what? I'm glad. Have fun. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. That shit goes into so much play, man, nowadays. It's crazy. Um, yep. So, hey, man, I, I appreciate you coming on, man. I, I really do. I know you're busy, walk, uh, and, and I'm glad you got to sip some whiskey with me, man. I got to send you some bottles, definitely, man. Yes, I gotta sir. Send you some bottles. Yes, sir. I got to send you some bottles, and, uh, man, I'm rooting for you, man. I, I wish the family well, and I hope uh, whatever ends up happening, it ends up happening, man. You ever need me to come speak, man, let me know. I'll come speak for you, shit. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, and uh, I, I had fun. I enjoyed it. I don't know if I could – how well I can compare to uh, John Daly, but dang. Uh, no, no, you, man, shit, you've been on a fucking hour, man. We've, we've chopped it up. Shit. It's good to talk gold ball with coaches, man. I love doing that. That's yeah. why I'm like, shit. Um, you know, if we've you talked ever, several if times. Golf, if you ever get a golf group put together in there, shit, got me in. You golf? Yes, sir. Oh man. I got to get with you, man. I, I, you know, I'm good friends with Pat Perez, so I'm always with him and, uh, and we play all the time out at his place. And, uh, and like I said, he's playing right now down in San Diego. He took a week off vacation. So I'm going to go out down there and see him Saturday and uh, play around. So we'll, we got to hook up something, man. I'm thinking about doing something for uh, one of my uh, whiskeys or, or whatever I end up doing with that. I'm going to think about doing like a little tournament and, and having that deal out there. So we'll, we'll figure it out, and I'll get you out there, and, and we'll have to play a few rounds with some people. Awesome. Love it. Appreciate you, man. I, I wish you the best, and we'll chop it up soon, and I'll get your address. I'll send you some bottles. I appreciate that. Cheers. Cheers, Shane. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Later on. Shane Graham, man. Appreciate him coming on the show. Uh, keep it rocking. I appreciate him. Uh, did a great job. Great. Hell of a player. Great coach. Uh, done a hell of a job. He was doing a hell of a job at Florida, man. Um and, uh, you know, he, he had to get out of there, man. Um, kudos to him, man, for uh, taking the family over to, uh, for over the uh, the business. I mean, it's tough to do. Um, getting right into it still, man. Uh, I'm going to take a two-minute break. Let me take a piss. I'm going to let these dogs out, and I will be right back. I'm going to fill up my whiskey, and I'm going to share a few other things on the show. We're two hours in, and... Um, it's been a good one so far, man. I'll be back in four minutes. So I'll see you in a second. Peace. So here's my top five fucking of all time. Tony Gonzalez is the premier tight end in my generation. Not only did we play against each other in high school, growing up together, his old his older brother was actually one of my JUCO tight ends. His name is Chris Gonzalez, by the way. Went to Huntington Beach High School, grew up right up the street. We played together in the play. We actually played each other in high school twice. Um, he also played basketball when I, for his high school. We were obviously the number one team in the country in basketball. He was a great basketball player as well. Played at Cal Berkeley with Jason Kidd. Um, 
Tremaine Folks, another good friend of mine, he was on that squad. Uh, Ed Gray, another L.A. kid. That Cal team was great. I think they lost in the Elite Eight uh, to Duke, I want to say, or North Carolina. But that, that Cal team was really good. Tony Gonzalez was a problem in college basketball. Could have played in the NBA. Uh, I don't think he would have ever had the same career, obviously. He would have just been a big, bulky power forward in the, in the NBA. You know, he's 6'6". Uh, probably could, you know, at that time. Um, but he was a great inline blocker. He was a great pass receiver and catcher. He always, and also was, uh, he did a lot of things that tight ends at that time were not willing to do. Um, but Tony was a all around tight end who holds most records and he played longer that's You're one of the back. reasons I cannot put Gronk in Shit. there. I do think Gronk is probably the most talented. All right, all right, all right, all right. I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Let's get it cracking. Um, let's get to some of the other uh, deals I got cracking here. Um, if any of my TikTokers are still here, say what's up. If you're not, then eat a dick. Um let me light my stick. I'm gonna get to a few things. Um appreciate all the love, man. Hit the like button, subscribe, become a member if you're not one already. Uh we've had a hell of a show this week. We had a lot of good guests on. It's only getting grow growing and getting better. So appreciate you. Travis Elin still in the show. Hey man, you should become a member. Dollar ninety nine a month. But anyways, you guys that came over, we're gonna do a few giveaways here at the end. Um a few things still to talk about here on the show. We got a, we got a lot of things to get to. Um John Daly, he was a great, uh, great guest. Um, we were talking about James White retiring early. I'm gonna, I was gonna ask that to Shane, and I, I fucking forgot. I mostly ad lib a lot of the interview deals. Um, but make sure you you head on over to John Daly's Whiskey and Water if you haven't heard his album with Willie Nelson. It's actually really good. John plays the guitar. Um, Pretty interesting shit, man. John Daly's a, a jack of all trades, say the least. Uh, we remind each other of ourselves quite a bit. Um, but James White retired, right? Pretty young. Said he had some injuries that just didn't know what's going on. Uh, if you haven't heard the latest, The Rock basically said he wanted to be Megan Thee Stallion's pet. And I guess uh, the rapper that she fucks with came out and was talking shit to The Rock, apparently. Um Good luck with that, dog. You're fucking with the most popular human in the world, The Rock, A. And then B, um, I fuck Megan The Stallion, too. So, I mean, shit. He's just telling you what it is. Uh, Deshaun Watson came out. This pitcher's come out. Roger Goodell basically said, we want to suspend him for a year. But where is Deshaun we, uh, Watson's PP? Where is his PP? Lucy, I don't know if you're in here or any of you guys are in here, um, but where is this motherfucker's wee-wee? Micro-penis. John Daly thought that was pretty funny. I thought John Daly was laughing like a motherfucker when I showed him that. Um, that shit is comical, but it's true. Small dick syndrome. That's why he has 200 women um, that he had to fucking... He should go to Hooters. He should go work at fucking Hooters. Um, apparently... The cartel is not to fuck with uh, in Mexico. They basically burn 24 star stores down and cars uh, 
for arresting some cartel bosses. So basically, you better not arrest our bosses. <laughs> Don't arrest our bosses, motherfucker, or we're going to fucking blow your shit up. So, you know, hey, it is what it is, dog. You better figure that shit out. The IRS basically has created 87,000 new agents, which equals out to $200 million in salary, and now they can carry firearms. So they can come get your money. They can come get... If you owe taxes, they're coming to get it strapped. These motherfuckers are going to be heated up. Fuck, man, the world's coming to an end, man. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but something's happening out here. I don't know if you know this, but I don't know if you know, Steph Curry was in Long Beach yesterday, kind of my neck of the woods, hanging out with Snoop Dogg. And if you haven't seen this, um, if you hang out with Snoop Dogg, it's similar to John Daly hanging out with fucking Willie Nelson. You're going to be high. Look at Steph Curry's eyes around this motherfucker. That motherfucker's lifted. Steph Curry hangs out with Snoop and is fucking loaded as shit. I thought that shit was hysterical. That motherfucker was loaded as hell, man. Shit. Um, Isaiah Miller, what up, man? I appreciate you, man. Um, Paco's, Paco's in timeout. What Paco say, man? I love Paco. What Paco say? Paco, Mega the Stallion, I don't believe can even, there's no such thing as being, she's, she's an original thick girl who ain't fake, dog, all right? Now, you want to see some fake shit? You want to see some fucking shit that is what Megan the Stallion is not? Just, dog, watch this. That shit right there is fucking stupid. And that motherfucker, that bitch had a full bottle, not just a cup. She had a bottle. She had a bottle, dog. She had a bottle. J.W. Newman, I appreciate you. Uh, yeah, Megan Thee Stallion, dog. She good. I'm good with Megan Thee Stallion. Um, I'm good with Megan Thee Stallion, dog. I'll fuck around. Short, fat, skinny, or tall, dog. I'll hit. I'll hit. Um, can, we, can we stop with the, 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 the fucking... Listen. Blue Chew is one of the sponsors for the show for a long time. I got to show you the best dick hard pill on the market. They get a A plus for marketing. Check this fucking promo commercial out. (laughs) They straight stroking in the back seat on their commercial. That's got to be the best dick hard commercial I've ever seen. 
Oh, that shit is comical, dog. That motherfucker's beating in the back seat. That shit is comical. You can't even, you cannot market a better dick hard pill. Blue Chew, let me do your commercial. I'll have that motherfucker sold out. Yeah, the beat goes hard, doesn't it? The beat's harder than the motherfucking Deshaun Watson's dick. Shit, that motherfucker Deshaun Watson needs that shit ASAP. Deshaun Watson, you need to go get this. Deshaun Watson needs that fucking video right there, dog. Can we stop with the bitch getting her head knocked off in the fight? Now we got motherfuckers really, really analyzing this motherfucking girl that I showed yesterday who got socked, got knocked out, and they saw, they thought the bitch knocked her head off. Please stop it. The bitch's hat fell off. She had a weave, and that's what you see. Please stop talking about the bitch's head's knocked off. You just watch this. You watch this next video, and you tell me what you see. And nothing can go on. Oh, no, it all went wrong. It's not just me, right? Like, it looks like she punches her head off of her body, right? And I was like, ain't no way, boy. So I downloaded the clip. I decided to zoom in and slow it down. And it does not help. <laughs> what the hell? Okay, this is the fucking bitch's hat, dog. Can we calm down with the shit? It's her hat. Her hat fell off. Stop it, Brian Martinez. Don't think her fucking head really fell off. Um, Tua, I've been saying Tua's going to be great. <laughs> I've been saying Justin Fields is a, is a, is a dude. Maybe one day you'll believe that I'm telling you these motherfuckers are sorry. They're fucking sorry, and I'm telling you for a reason, because I know what the fuck I'm talking about when it comes to quarterbacks, homie. They are not very good quarterbacks. Calm the fuck down and take your boy's fucking word for it. They're not good, okay? I'm just telling you, they're not good. So please stop it. Um... I don't know if you've seen this, but Disney has taken over Netflix in the streaming world, and I think it's a good time for me to fucking sue Netflix. Big news in the streaming wars, the day has finally come. Disney has surpassed Netflix as the top paid streaming service with over 220 million paid subscribers across all of their verticals, which include Disney+. Plus. Hulu and ESPN Plus. We have been talking about Disney passing Netflix on Market Mondays for months, and Troy has been bullish on Disney for. The cool part is they're all raising their prices too. They're all raising their prices too. So I'm just saying um, they're raising their prices and still outselling Netflix. So I'm dropping that shit, dog. I'm dropping all that shit. I'm dropping all that shit. I'm getting rid of all these fucking uh, streaming deals. Shit, you can get online. Shit, it don't really matter. You can get online. 
Uh, Justin Jefferson came out talking about the new offense, if you haven't noticed. Now I see why Coop was open so many times. It's so wonderful being in this type of offense. Listen, that Sean McVay's shit, you don't have the quarterback that the Rams have. And you do not have, now you do have the wide, I would say the wideouts are good. You and Thielen, um, you got a good running game. You have some weapons. I think Minnesota is going to be very good this year. I think Minnesota can possibly win the North. Um, I think Chicago's still going to be shit. I think uh, Green Bay and Minnesota will play for the title. I think Detroit will be better. Detroit may even beat both teams once. Uh, I don't think Detroit's going to get over the hump this year, but um, it is what it is. Brett Favre's come out and basically said he's had over 1,000 concussions. I think he's fucking an idiot for saying it. I don't think you can possibly have 1,000 concussions in your life unless you're just a fucking idiot hitting the head against a bus every fucking day. But Brett Favre came out and said he understands the understanding of concussions. He believes suffered thousands. Um, come on, homie. Please stop. Please stop. You, you don't have thousands. You don't have thousands of fucking concussions. I don't even think it's possible. You didn't play a thousand games. Uh, and even if you got... Five concussions a game for 20 years, playing 15 games a year. You're not going to have a 1,000. So stop it. Damian Woody, who continues to say some shit that's very, very interesting to say the least, came out and gave his top five players to watch list. He's basically said Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Ezekiel Elliott, Mac Jones, and Trey Lance. Now, very misleading title there. Top five players to watch, must watch. What are we watching for? Are we going to watch for him to be shitty? Uh, Him to be good? What are we watching for? I'm curious. For Zeke to look like Ewok and fucking pull his shirt up and look like a fucking weirdo? What are we watching for? I'm curious. Trey Lance to be absolute dog shit? What are we actually watching for? One thing you need to watch for is um, the Browns trading for Jimmy G. That is something that I've heard from a few inside sources that I think Jimmy G may be somebody the Cleveland Browns try to trade for instead of wait to see if they actually release him so he can be a free agent. Because if they do that and Stafford has an issue with his arm, I could see the Rams coming after Jimmy G. I can see uh, a team like fucking Tennessee Titans, Atlanta Falcons. Um, I see quite a few teams going after a guy like Jimmy G. Just throwing it out there. Just throwing it out there. Um Jimmy G to Cleveland is a thing. They got about 20. They're going to have like 25 quarterbacks on their roster when it's said and done. (laughs) They're so fucking, they're so worried about Deshaun Watson. They've spent so much money. They might just have about 20 quarterbacks every fucking game because they don't know what the fuck they're going to do. Cleveland is about to implode when this motherfucker gets a year suspension. Um, Mark C, come on, dog. Have faith in what your boy's telling you. Daniel Jones is going to rip shit up. Just stay tuned, dog. 
Um, oh, yeah, I still do cameos. I got like 10 cameos and I got to go do today. Um, by the way, if you if you get a cameo from me um, this week alone, I'm, I'm doing them for like $25 off. So the Giants playing tonight? They're playing preseason game? I don't even watch preseason football, dog. It's fucking horrible. It's horrible. Um, Canada actually cares about its veterans. If you haven't seen this, Jeremiah, uh, interesting shit here. Canada's on pace to spend $200 million, $156 million on medical marijuana for veterans. Studies suggest marijuana can help treat anxiety, chronic pain, and PTSD. Canada has reimbursed veterans for medical marijuana purchases since 2008. Very, very interesting, Canada. Um, shout out to you. Shout out to you. Um, interesting. All my Canadians in here, appreciate you guys. I love all you Canadians, dog. You guys look out for me. You guys are fucking uh, good shit. Um, very interesting, Geno Smith or Drew Locke. I don't know. I think Geno's going to get the nod because of his experience. I think Drew Locke has a tal- some talent in him. But I don't think he's an NFL quarterback either. I think Drew Locke has a lot of Baker Mayfield in him. I think Drew Locke has that. He's a white boy who thinks he's got swag and he's going to do this. He's dancing on the sideline and shit. I ain't mad at him for doing it. What I'm just saying is get in where you fit in, homie. Drew Locke, Baker Mayfield, sit your weirdo asses down and throw a fucking hitch ball on time. Instead of fucking dancing around doing commercials. You either play in the NFL or get the fuck out and be an entertainer. They're not very good. So, just telling you. It is what it is. They're not fucking very good. Um, FBI raids Trump's house and then guess what happens? They get shot at. Have you seen this one? Armed suspect at FBI in Cincinnati launches police chase. Shots fired during standoff. Hey, dog, Trump has a lot of supporters out there. These motherfuckers now coming after the FBI for raiding the motherfucker's house. I don't know if it has any correlation, but it's funny how shit happens the day after some shit happens. Kind of interesting. Have you heard about the flying taxis? United put up $10 million for flying taxis. Made a $10 million down payment for 100 electric flying taxis. A California company, which I've heard about, has created an electric aircraft that can take off and land vertically like a helicopter. The model purchased by United operates in cities and seats four. You got me fucked up. You killed one of my idols. Kobe Bryant in a helicopter. Now you're going to give me an electric one where the motherfucker got to be charged? Get the fuck out of here. Fifth Element, that movie, yeah, that's a, that's what we are. That's what we're doing. I wouldn't, I'd be damned. I will catch, I told you about me and Uber. I don't fuck with Uber. I'll drive my motherfucking self. I like driving. I'm not going to get into a fucking electric flying object. You guys are fucking dumb to get in these things, too. A lot of you motherfuckers are going to get in it, too. Oh, that's tight. I'm going to get it. I'm going to take a bitch in there, and we're going to go get wine 
eight hours away. Get the fuck out of here. Um, Slap Richards asking about advice for a kid who has a dog in him and is a great worth that but isn't physically gifted like great athletes. When do you tell them sports may not work out? Man, it's a very, very finite line, okay, that we tote. We need those guys to make our team better because those are the guys that are going to do the right thing. But we also need players. We also need dudes. We need dudes. So... It's very finite, you know? It's very finite. You got to you got to have the players, but you need the guys to boost your GPA, to be good morale guys, good character. But at the end of the day, dog, you can have all those things and never miss and bust your ass and just not be better than the guy that's a shitbird. I'm just being honest. Shitbirds are usually your best players. So, hey man, keep them playing. Keeps them out of the street, keeps them motivated, keeps them doing other things. Um, you know, shit like that. But keep them playing. Don't let them stop playing just because it's not good enough. But you should have a conversation with them too and say, listen, man, I don't know what you want out of this thing. And you know what? 9.9 kids out of 10 will always say, coach, we, I like playing, man. I, I may never play again, but I love playing for you as the coach or in the program and being part of something. And I can always look back and be in that guy. And that's just what it is, man. I don't think you have to be the greatest dude ever to play the sport. You, you can play the sport and not be the greatest fucking dude. If that was the mindset slap, Richard, we won't have enough players to fill the team. You don't all have five stars running around the motherfucker. So you got to have those guys. You got to have those guys. So, you know, It is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but I wouldn't deter them. Don't deter them. You know, keep them in there. Keep them in there. Keep them going. Um, you know, shit like that. Lucy said that's her son. <laughs> Lucy's cutthroat now. Lucy's a gangster. Lucy is a gangster with it. She don't give a fuck. Short, fat, skinny, and tall, huh? Fuck them all. She's a realist. Lucy's a realist. Her son may not be the greatest athlete, but I bet you that motherfucker listens. I bet you he works hard. I bet you he fucking does things. He respects going home, having fucking, getting, fucking eat dinner and do different shit. Um, so, you know, shit. Hey, man, those guys will probably end up being your boss. See, that's what people don't get, uh, Slap Richard. Those guys usually are the fucking boss. Of the five-star freak who's a shitbird, who don't listen, who's late, who gets fired from job to job later in life because they just don't fucking get it. And you know what? The fucking scrub who did everything right is usually the fucking CEO of his fucking dumbass. That's just real talk. Sorry. Lucy, gotta love. I gotta love. I love you, Lucy. You get it. You and Hulk Hogan. <laughs> what was that movie? <laughs> um, oh, fuck. It's unbelievable, man. 
You and Mel Gibson. Uh, what was that movie? Uh, the Zohan. Fuck that shit. Comical. The Zohan, man. Lucy, where's she at? Lucy, can you bring her over yet? God damn. You keep bullshitting me. I need to see her. Go get you some merch, by the way. <clears throat> CoachJBStore.com. Go get you some merch. We got the short, fat, skinny, and tall. Fuck them all shirts. We got the jerseys. We got hats. We got fucking girl bikinis for Jada. Jada, you better go get you a bikini, girl. Um, we got it all. Short, fat, skinny, and tall. <clears throat> Make sure you head on over to CoachJBStore.com. <clears throat> get you some uh, some merch. Um. A lot going on, man. A lot going on. Yeah, man. Those are the CEOs, brother. Those are the CEOs. Damn, Jeremiah, you got your shit already? That's fast. I love the new the new company, man. They're getting shit done quick. They're getting shit done quick. Um, do Vince McMahon has a time machine? They predicted 9-11? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't heard that one. I don't know what's going on with that shit. Um, but I do want to discuss one thing. I, I have a top five that I wanted to talk about. The top, I have a top five best acting duos of all time. Okay? Some of you guys are too young to even know who these people are. And some of you will know some of them. This is my top five, not yours, Acting duos. That means two people that were in a movie together that did a hell of a job. They've done multiple movies together. And before I show you my list, I have to say Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore was hard to keep off the list. Um, as, as, as was Ben Stiller and Drew Barrymore. Both of those were great, great tandems and duos. I, I just I, I had to go... With my gut, and, and this is my top five acting duos, and I'm going to have it on the ticker below here. And if you don't know who Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon is, I suggest you go find out. They made 10 or 11 movies together. They are actually so fucking comical. You have to go pull up Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon. Go watch uh, Grumpy Old Men, Grumpy Old Men, a lot of different things. Burt Lancaster and Kirk Douglas made nine movies together. If you don't know who they are, you need to go watch some of those classics. John C. Riley, Will Ferrell, obviously, from Step Brother to, um, you know, to fucking if you ain't first, you're last. Um, you got to watch those two always. They always have a hell of a tandem. They're always doing a hell of a job. Um, Grumpy Old Men's classic, dog. Those two, to me, have made the most movies together, so I had to put them number one. Um, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley are great. Seth Rogen, James Franco, even though James Franco's a weirdo fucking, I don't know what he is, pedophile or something. Uh, Rock and Kevin Hart are classic. I think I had to bump them in over Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, so I put them in that top five. Um, Matt Damon and Robin Williams, what did they make? What movie did they make? Jake John, we talked about Leo and Jonah Hill for The Wolf of Wall Street and a couple things, but I don't know if they've done enough. I don't know if they've done enough. You know what I'm saying? 
Oh, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that was one thing. I don't. I couldn't put them in there because they they haven't done enough. I need to see more content, right? I need to see more content. So, you know, um, Eddie Manyweather. This motherfucker brought up Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence. They made one movie together, homie. They made one movie together, dog. Come on, man. Adam Sandler, Rob Schneider. Uh, Adam Sandler has a crew of his. He he keeps his whole crew. Like, if I said we had five top five duos, Adam Sandler would be in all of them, right? Joey B, that motherfucker, you love some porn, homie. You know every single porn star ever to shoot shoot a fucking shoot a shoot his cum and shoot a fucking flick, huh? You you know every single porn star, bro. Will Smith, my Martin Lawrence is a nice one. You know they made the same same movie though, so I I, I guess they made the same movie over and over and over. Um, Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder, yeah, you know, made a couple flicks, but fucking Joey B, this motherfucker, he goes way back too. Ashlyn Gear and Amber Lynn, damn, I remember them. They look like seventy. They were seventies porn stars. By the way, if you pull up Amber Lynn, Christian, I don't know if you could, if you're in here, Christian's not in here. If you could pull up Amber Lynn, she looks like every woman in Kansas. She literally looks like every single female in Kansas. <laughs> um, TJ, he brought up fucking... God damn. Yeah, I've done my top five sports movies, man. Um, I, got, I, got, I got Glory Road, Rebound, uh, Remember the Titans, The Natural. Um, What else did I put in there? I, I don't know. Those are some of my top five top five sports movies. Um, but uh, but anyway, man, I'm getting out of here on the audio side. Uh, you guys can call in if you want. Um, let me see here real quick. Top five action movies we may do. Listen, all my all my TikTokers, I'm gonna post it. I'm gonna post a uh, link here. Okay, I'm gonna post a link in the chat. You can call in, and I'm gonna ask a question. Now this goes for everybody. So we're gonna give away some. We're gonna give away some things. Um, we're gonna give away a few things real quick. Okay, uh, on the audio side, I will see you tomorrow for Fearless Friday. Uh, appreciate everybody coming on in. Become a member, subscribe, hit the like button, and I will see you guys tomorrow. Everybody on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes. Appreciate you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. YouTube, stay on. We'll be on After Hours and After Party. So stay tuned, and all you guys can call in. We're going to go over some giveaways. I'll see you tomorrow. Peace. Yeah, yeah.
Ready to transform you in the I hate a storm, Hail Marys, I make it poor. Good I ain't lying, you little giants, we been defying. Vice. What's the cost? Be the boss, breaking down the walls. We all lean once the coin gets tossed. Got the plan to act. 